Hey guys, what's up? This is episode 20 of the Grindworks BMX podcast. Uh, just actually wrapped it up, so as you'll see, I'm dressed exactly the same way. It was recorded about, I don't know, I think we closed about 10 minutes ago. So uh, this episode was with Cody Dixon, uh, probably more well known as the Bar End Guy. Um, if you don't know either of those names, uh, he's a good friend of the Nowhere BMX crew. Uh, we talk a lot about Nowhere BMX, uh, their upcoming Cornhucket Jam, and a few other uh, things. But overall, we have a really good conversation. It's a little bit on the lengthy side, so hopefully you've got some time or you're willing to split this up. But definitely give it a whole listen, and I appreciate you tuning in for yet another Grindworks BMX podcast episode. All right, looks like we are rolling, and what's up? Welcome back to Grindworks podcast, here with Cody Dixon. What's going on? Uh, Thanks for having me. Most people probably know you as the bar end guy. Yeah, as of lately. That's probably what people know me as, just because uh, a couple years ago, I got into a little venture trying to make uh, bar ends and selling only bar ends, because nobody was really doing it, um, except for Matt Berenger, you know. Shout out to him, he's the OG bar end master. Yeah, he's been doing it before, it was cool. Yeah, that's, we'll use the hipster terminology there. He's uh, actually done it for so long, and it seems like the last couple of years it's kind of blown up. I hope it keeps blowing up for him, man. Support him, like buy his stuff, because he puts time into that stuff like nobody else I've ever seen. I was lucky enough to find uh, BMX legend Phil Wasson when I started making my bar ends, and uh, he helped me out and got me started, and then our paths kind of diverged because it was such a small little company. It was kind of hard for somebody as important as he was at his job to continue making them for me, you know? So Yeah. We'll see. Barring guy might live again, but until then, we're, we're just... I mean, we just summarize. All right, that's a wrap. What? That's a wrap. What do you mean? Just <laughs> a joke. Because um, you like just hit all of that in like 30 seconds, and oh. then you're like, okay, that's it. Barring guy then might live again. <laughs> um, very simple person, I guess you could put. So, I mean, I met you, what, four years ago or so? Man, when was it? Was it... The first time we actually met was at that little jam that we put on in St. Louis, right? And yes. you drove all the way out by yourself and stayed Yeah, the everyone decided last minute they didn't want to go with yeah. me. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah, that was a good friend of mine, Habo Gutierrez. He lives out in Denver now. Yeah, him and I put together a little jam just in the wintertime in St. Louis. It's cold, so we did something for the kids to try to put something together, and it became... Came out really fun. I'm glad you made it out. Me too. But so I'm I'm trying to like circle back to that though because we didn't talk for long before that. I think you hit me up. We talked a little bit. Um. So like your history though is not PA, but it's Youngstown, Ohio, right? So that's where I was. I was born and raised in Youngstown, and then um, like back then when I first got into BMX, it was uh section eight skate park and dudes like steve cuesta who i'm sure you know cuesta mm-hmm. um, like going down there when i was a kid just watching dudes ride at section eight and wanting to do that so i was lucky enough to grow up there and be inspired by some of those guys and then 
my folks and me and my little brother moved to Delaware, Ohio after, I think it was like eighth grade. So I grew up down in Columbus, okay. which ironically, it's like you move away from one of the best indoor skate parks in Ohio to move closer to another of the best indoor skate parks in Ohio. I had to flow 35 minutes away from my house. Yeah. So I went there and there was a ton of Columbus dudes that even to this day, like I still love seeing them and still love catching up with them because they were just absolute shredders. Like Jake Colson, um, Kevin Teets, and a couple of those other guys from Columbus are just absolute animals on bikes. But then military happened, blah, 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 go through that. I mean, too many stories about military, I can tell you, but well, it's a... Uh, that ended it's a me. Big part of your life. Yeah, though, it was. Right? A, so I mean, it honestly got me to where I am now. I wouldn't have anything that I have in my life without the military. But the one thing other than my wife and my kids that came from that was like ending up in Nebraska. Hashtag first person to ever say ending up in Nebraska was like the <laughs> the best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I ended up out there, and I think about a year or so after I ended up out in Nebraska, that's when we linked up online and it seemed like it was just two dudes you had grindworks and i had the bar and guy thing starting and we were like hey you want to support each other's jams and like i think i kicked you like five or six pairs of bar ends for right. one of your jams people were stoked on getting the bar ends and then you came out and kicked stuff in for my jam so it's just always been like a positive relationship between grindworks and the bar end guy and even like and yeah i'll pause I have a feeling that there's an opening for you to continue talking there. Uh, I was going <laughs> to say, I haven't switched them over to my new oh, bike, but I still, still have my bar ends on the your bike. Your bar ends, yeah. Yeah. Um, the one, I think I saw a picture of it a couple months ago, but Zach Gerber, you know, like one of the most underrated street riders of probably in the history of BMX, and that, mm -hmm. that's all my opinion before anybody gets angry at me. But... He, uh, he's been running them since, like, I came out with them, and they were worn down to basically just, like, handlebar. They were only plugging up the end of his bars at this point, so mm -hmm. I, like, I gave him a new set, and he's stoked on them now again, too, so that was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think where, where we were gonna interject a little bit was I... I only know you from your Nebraska days, then, yeah. really. Uh, even since you've been back in the area here, we have not crossed paths. Yeah, I know. It's a weird thing, man. Like, I came back here, for those of anybody who cares to know, I lived out in Nebraska, and then February of last year, we decided that we were going to sell our house and move back to Youngstown. Um cheaper to live here, family was close, my kids deserved to grow up around their grandparents. I have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old. Um, so the move came like with a lot of heavy hearts because like, we were leaving Nebraska right at probably one of the most pivotal times for what's going on out there right now with the Nowhere BMX guys. Like, mm -hmm. I was a huge part of every aspect of Nowhere BMX and then like, left right as all this stuff was going down. So yeah. it, w it was a struggle for me emotionally when I got back, but I've been getting more into it, and, like, both my sons now are riding constantly. Like, my eight-year-old bugs me. He's like, well, can we go out in the driveway and ride? And I've got all sorts of cinder block plywood ramps off the side mm -hmm. of my driveway right now for him to ride. And, uh, yeah, then we just, that's just what I've been doing here lately. I don't, my work schedule kind of keeps it, keeps me from being able to go out and ride. 
a lot, and then I work on Sunday mornings. So like out of, out of town trips and stuff, even like to go to the jams in New York that you you guys are doing, mm-hmm. it's just a struggle for me because I have to be able to drive up and back, yeah, in like the same night. So it is what it is. I'm trying to get out more and ride, but this hopefully by the end of this summer I'll have a little uh, garage ramp going on, like a little Behringer style bowl. That'd be cool. Um, so I'm hoping to be able to put something together like that, and then a bunch of movable driveway stuff. Just for my kids and me to ride, like a little three-foot street spine and banks and a grime ledge and stuff like that. Because I have a pretty decent-sized driveway. But... And then eventually, outdoor ramp. And then just invite everybody to my house because I'm lazy and can't drive anywhere. <laughs> just say, hey, come over to my house and ride my ramp. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's cool, though, like to have your own spot. Because I don't know how far away you technically lived from uh, Carl's place and the whole it was ex- nowhere I lived exactly there. when I was out there I lived exactly one hour from his house okay so you weren't super close no. but but in terms of Nebraska and the fact that it's like one giant cornfield <laughs> an hour an hour out there is just driving down one county road to the next city like you know what I mean like yeah Ohio it, or not Ohio Nebraska's little town Big gap of cornfields, little town, big gap. So an hour out there is not that big of a deal. It's not like driving an hour out here, like where you got to take a turnpike, you got to pay tolls, you got to go into a city and do all that other stuff. Well, but I mean, I mean, on that same note, an hour out there could be seventy miles. Yeah, and an hour much here is. can be twenty miles. Twenty, yeah, exactly. <laughs> where at, like when I moved back, I thought to myself, I went, oh man, raise the wheel mill. Uh, Chang, every, I'll be at all the indoor parks all the time because they're still only an hour away from my house. But like an hour out here is like a painful drive compared to an hour out there. Out there, you just roll the windows down and cruise out out to the cornfields. Yeah, put it put it on cruise and don't even look. Yeah, you don't really have to pay attention to anything out here. There's people switching lanes on the turnpike and going 100 miles an hour and everything. I kind of miss the slower pace of Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you regret? Your decision to come back here? Absolutely not. Okay. Like, and that's not you no know, any disrespect to any of my family and BMX friends back in Nebraska, but like I think there's a lot of things setting up for me right now, like to where I'm trying to the place where I work, uh I hope to in like a year or two buy the place and like become an entrepreneur and own my own business. To where out in Nebraska that probably would have never happened. Like I probably would have had fun riding bikes forever, which is very important to me, but I probably would have had a job that I hated throughout that whole time. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I have a job that's decent and I can still ride sometimes, but it's more few and far between. But like the older I get, the less it bothers me because riding with my kids is definitely like the number one thing for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to film a thirty for thirty edit because I turn thirty next next year, almost exactly a year from this I mean, date. That's not even an edit. Thirty clips is a video part. I, I don't know. I just always told myself that that would be something that I could accomplish, but I'm on, I think I have nine clips since January 1st of this year. So we're six months into the year already almost, and nine clips, that doesn't add up to 30 by the time it comes around the other side. So we'll yeah. see what happens. I mean, you gotta go for it. Gotta try to. I, I gotta keep riding, because like, I do a lot of weird stuff. I, I don't know. That's the other funny thing about me and you is like we never really have gotten to session together. Like even at the jam, like you were I, hurt. I w- I had just had shoulder surgery, yep. so I couldn't ride at the jam. 
So the more I think about that, and then we missed crossing paths at the wheel mill a couple times. I've been out to Wedgwood a couple of times, and I hit you up, and I get... Well, you had a little while, and you may still be in there, but you had kind of shut yourself off from social media when you yep. moved. When you moved from Nebraska to Youngstown, so, yeah, I forgot that I you kind that. of shut yourself off. You went back to a flip phone and everything. Yep. So I, had a, I would shoot you a message, and it might be eight hours before you even checked your yeah, phone. I did, I did like a hardcore digital detox last year to where like I went back to having a non-smartphone, which still to this day I don't know how I pulled it off for nine months because I can't find my way out of a paper bag. So like <laughs> G, not having a GPS on my smartphone back then was for like, that was all last year almost that I did that. And I was constantly getting lost. I was borrowing my grandma's Tom Tom to be able to get to raise in Cleveland. Because <laughs> I, I didn't know what I was doing. And now that I have an iPhone again, I'm just like, you know, you just got to be smart with the technology usage and not have your face in it constantly. But the GPS feature alone is worth the cell phone bill to me because I get lost going yeah. anywhere. Yeah, but I think that was probably like half the reason we didn't get the link up was because I would come out to Youngstown. And uh, granted, I never really made the plan. It would be like the night before, well, or even the morning of. We would let's go, yeah, Wedgwood today, and then go out there. And I probably wouldn't have texted you until I got there. Yeah, and be like, hey, I'm in Youngstown right now. And then you get the message a handful of hours later, and you're like, well, that would have been cool, but I've, thanks I've, for the thought. I've always, yeah, no, and I forever appreciate that. Especially if anybody's listening to this and you hit me up to go riding and I couldn't go or didn't show or something, like, I appreciate you including me in that stuff. Like, if I say I'm going to be somewhere, I go there. Like, if I can make plans to do things like what we did with this, then I'll be there. That's the hard part for me. It was like having two kids, working 40 hours a week. Sometimes it gets like, oh, you guys are coming tomorrow. Like, I had planned to do this with my you know, go to the Pittsburgh Zoo or something like that. Yeah. So the older you get, the more I have to plan my sessions out three, five, eight days in advance to be able to go do them. Luckily, I have a woman who's very supportive of BMX, and she's always like, oh, you got the day off Wednesday, or you have time to go ride. You should try to go ride. And, like, I do my best mm -hmm. to try to ride. Uh, my wife's the same way yeah. in, in the sense of, like, be like, well, we sh we're going to go to the zoo tonight, right? Or something. I'm going to be like, Tonight's the only nice night you're going to get. You should probably go riding. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> no, I'm not going to argue with that. One of the okay. things that, it, like, having a woman who is supportive of BMX is, like, game-changing. Any of the dudes out there with girlfriends who hate your bike, just dump your girlfriends. <laughs> Seriously, I don't even feel bad about saying it. Find a girl that supports BMX because it makes BMX way more fun. And that's not to say, like, the couple of months when you're freshly dating and you don't ride that much oh like, that's, that's cool, cool man everybody likes but, the beginning of a relationship but you know you know what's up yeah bike your bike was your first love always remember that your bike's never broken your heart <laughs> uh, maybe once or twice broken my ass yeah. oops sorry we don't do we cuss on the grindworks podcast you can say whatever you want i'll keep i'll keep the cussing to a minimum. i don't really care <laughs> I, I mark them all as explicit, just because... Just to, just to be safe, so nobody well, ever takes I them I mean, down. I don't worry about anyone's expectations or anything. Like, 
there are no expectations in my eyes. As soon as you set expectations, you set someone up for a letdown. Yeah. Yeah, don't uh and don't put people on pedestals for sure or expect things out. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. That's one of the things I've always felt with doing this project in particular, and I know I've said it on here a bunch of times, so it's probably like, "Oh, here's this again." <laughs> but I'm not trying to play a character on here either. Yeah. No. So there's like anything I do is pretty much me. And like it or not, that is what it is. You know, if you're not into something I'm doing, that's fine, man. Well, um, nobody understands that more than I do, man. Like look what look at all the stuff that I have been a part of and that we've done with the guys out in Nebraska, like we mm-hmm. were talking about. To segue back around to connect it back to that whole thing. I mean You've seen our frames that we came out with. You've seen our handlebars. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bent ta- the bent crossbar, the down tube that does the little mm-hmm. step thing on there. I mean, I'm all about being unique and just being yourself. And that's how we've always been. And I'm down to ride with, hang out with, talk to anybody who just wants to be themselves. So I appreciate you bringing me on here today to do this. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't... It This isn't scripted. I'm sitting here drinking Dr. Pepper and just talking to Andy in his apartment and like this is an honor yeah I appreciate you coming out I'm glad it worked out anyway um so we got I've not very like talked to Carl hardly at all um he's a he's a hard guy to get a hold of nowadays I talked to him maybe two minutes at Ray's one day, I think it was like the Old Fools Weekend uh-huh. or something. Yeah, I think you guys were all ago. out. Yeah. I feel really bad about this. I forget your buddy's name. Rode the 22 or 24 inch bike. Mike, maybe? No, no, it's Scuba Steve. Scuba Steve, yeah, Scuba yeah. Scuba Steve, big Steve Stall. So, yeah, so I rode with him, like at your jam, we rode together a bunch. Yeah. And then we we had a good session out here at Ray's when he was in town with, oh, with Carl. Yeah, I think I missed that trip. Because I remember, did. yeah, I missed that trip coming out to my home state, which was funny because I was in Nebraska, couldn't make a trip to Ohio, and I ended up getting stuck back in Nebraska <laughs> during that. Like, remember one of our homies on that trip, he ended up, the, his power of attorney that Carl had for him because he was 17 was, wasn't good anymore. So he, they, he couldn't ride Changa. He couldn't ride the whole trip. He drove all the way to Ohio and That's couldn't ride. Because he didn't have a power of attorney to sign the... Uh, waiver. I remember that. That was pretty pretty bad. Yeah. But yeah, as far as Carl goes, man, that dude is running at a thousand miles a minute. Well, so you'll appreciate this, and I'm sure he will too if he gets, if he watches this at all, but I've had a note from him on my desk since last year's jam. Okay. And it's just you know, it's a little note about, you know, Stoked that he could sponsor the jam. Sorry, he couldn't send more. But yeah, like I love these little notes like this when people send product or just anything. Like the personal touch means a lot to me, and like I try to do the same thing when I, you know, if someone places an order, I don't always do it, but I try to like scribble a little handwritten note on the order, like yeah, thanks or. It's that personal, a little bit extra, you know. It's that personal touch that makes the connection more real, too. I mean, it's you're not just hitting up a company that's just sending you product because it's a jam. He's not looking at it as advertising. 
Mm-hmm. He's looking at it as just supporting more jams. Like, I've watched him say, yes, I can support your jam before, but he could send two t-shirts. Yeah. Like, that's all he had to do at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying. The personal touch makes it that much more of a camaraderie feeling between two companies or two jams or whatever it is, as opposed to feeling awkward about the relationship. And as of, you know, this moment, it's it's not June yet. And our jams are middle of July and late July. But I just got a whole bunch of stickers. I saw it. There's a lot of them. Uh, I think 2,500, right? Is that what you said? No, you're just setting me up to sound stupid. <laughs> 2,450. If I said 2,500, it would be a lie. As soon as he started pulling them out of the box, I go, how did you land on such an arbitrary number? He goes, I just ordered so many of this, and that's what it added up to. <laughs> so... Um, we got a bunch of new stickers, and I'm sure by the time this is up, you'll have all seen them on Instagram, but uh, I don't really plan on doing too much with them until it jams, yeah. but I need to hit Caro up, see if he wants to support our jams, and I need to shoot him a yeah. bunch of stickers I mean, I for the Cornhucket jam that he's going to be doing. Yeah, Cornhucket, man. That's crazy that you say Cornhucket. When are your... What are the dates for your guys' two jams in July? Shh. Uh, I don't want to get these wrong, but July 13th is the Pittsburgh Street Jam. July 27th is the HCS Jam, the Binghamton Jam. Well, ironically, the Cornhucket this year is on the same day as the Pittsburgh Street Jam. It was the same day as the Pittsburgh Jam last year. Yeah, it was. It was the same date, and I promise that's that's not something we planned out. No, because they're never even the same month. Yeah, the... uh, (laughs) Yeah, last year I think Cornhucket was in June. Yeah. And this year it's in July. I remember the first year it was in August. It might have been even been September. I don't remember. But it's like the, it, it's meant to be like the end of the year or or end of the summer or middle of the summer big bash out in Nebraska. And I mean it's honestly like a Woodstock event. I'm bummed that I've never gotten to go to your guys any of your guys' event because I mean I see you guys rolling in big packs for the street jams and mm-hmm. everything like that. So basically, I mean if you're Trying to make up your mind which direction to go, pick one. Don't miss one of them. Like that's, yeah. that's my thoughts. Like support the jams. Either come out to Nebraska or go to Pittsburgh for yeah, sure. Yeah, a couple of my friends from a uh, from Illinois last year, like Chicago area, were like, "Dude, I'm torn. I don't know which one to go to." And it's like, whichever one you want, man. They're both gonna be a good time. Yeah. Well, I can promise you one thing. If you go to if you go to Cornhucket, there's probably not gonna be a whole lot of streets ride. So. Not that I'm saying go to one or the other, but Cornhucket is out at Carl's house. <coughs> Ride ramps, dirt jumps, stuff that's out there at his place. He has a semi-truck trailer now that you can jump off of. Mm-hmm. All sorts of crazy things going out there. There's a 200-year-old barn that's got a indoor, like, four-foot quarter mini setup inside of it. And then he's currently working on that, the big nonprofit project, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we'll get into later. But it, uh... Yeah, man, you guys got to go to one of the jams. Go to Pittsburgh, go to go to Cornhucket. Carl is a fascinating character. Not, <laughs> not to go off topic a ton here. Can't wait till he hears but, that line. Well, I, so I don't really know him that well, so I can't make educated comments here. But from anything I've ever seen, there's a lot of unwarranted hate that Ooh, goes his man, way. I did not see this conversation going this way, but let's... Uh, but... Yeah. Um, I just, like, I don't know him. 
Here's here's so the here's our comments, interpretation. But... <laughs> here's the interpretation that I get and he gets from stuff, right? I don't. The term unwarranted hate seems a little bit weird to me because it's. I don't think any of it's hatred. I really don't. Like, and because me and him are probably two of the most positive people when it comes to that stuff. Like, we ride goofy looking bikes, goofy looking handlebars. Mm-hmm. The dude still does do whatever you want on a bike. He has a mohawk and he's in his forties, dude. Like he, you just be yourself and do what you want to do, right? And I don't ever view it as hate because I just think it's people that either haven't had the opportunity to come hang out with us out of the compound, mm-hmm. or haven't had the opportunity to physically get on one of our bikes and ride it to to feel. Oh yeah, that looks. Looks goofy as all get out. Looks like something that you wouldn't see anywhere else. But Feels it rides. But like it rides. Yeah, it rides just like any other bike. Or better, depending on what you like. Like for me, it improves some things for me. You know, so other people, it might not improve. But so I, I was talking specifically. There were a handful of comments that I've seen over the years, and they, they were more personal jabs. They were not okay. like, "Oh, your bike looks goofy." Like, okay, who cares? But, no, I've just seen, like, certain comments, and it'll be, like, weird comments here and there. So I think the, and I, think, I can't cite one specifically, so... I, I think, the, I, think I, I know, know where, you're, you're, where you're going with it is there have been a couple of moments in which comments have been made against one of, one of the no-people character, or them as a person, Carl specifically or anything. I think the hardest thing for people to wrap their head around is that there's a guy... A mid-school slash old-school BMX rider guy that lives out in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska who's trying to create something that's never been created or done before. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that it's never been done before because there are other people who have created quote-unquote compounds or created backyard ramp setups, and they've been legendary throughout BMX history, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Snowden's house, there was so much stuff that went down out there. Behringer's house back in the day. Yeah. It has been done before, but not done in the sense of something for children. Like, it's for... For other people it's for general. Yeah, it's for other people. Specifically, one of the biggest things that he runs on is trying to help kids do something else. Nebraska, they've got five months out of the year that's nice, and the rest of the time it's pretty much cold. Just like Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. just like Ohio. When we were growing up, one of the hardest things in the world would have been not having an indoor place to go to. But I know damn well, being somebody from Ohio, I always had somewhere to go in the wintertime. There's still always somewhere mm-hmm. to go in the wintertime now. We're out there. The closest indoor skate park out there is like seven or eight hours away. Yeah. And you're talking going to Denver, up to Minneapolis, all the way over somewhere. I think to Illinois, there's a skate park in Illinois. I don't remember off the top of my head. And then there's one down in... Kansas City, I think, that's several hours away. But none of them are free. His place is completely free. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine just bringing on the stress of just letting people come out to my house for free and knowing he's covering all the bills for everything. I loved... I don't remember where this interview was or comment came from, but I loved when he was talking about... Just like waking up and seeing people camped out in his. Oh, that was, I, I was telling you about this. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one morning he, uh, his wife's leaving for work because she has a normal, you know, nine to five job. She was leaving for work and just calls him and goes, "Hey, there's people sleeping in tents on the driveway," <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, no problem. I'll pour myself a cup of coffee and go down there and check." And sure enough, like 
walks down his property to these people sleeping in tents, and they were two shredders from, I can't remember, like, California or something. Dude's just rolling through and found out about the place. Like, that's real life. You could do that if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't send him a text or send him a call first. Yeah, you should probably drop a DM or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, let the, let old boy know that you're coming over to his house first, but if you are in the area and you just need a place to stay, like, he's the most giving person I've ever met in my life. And a lot of people are super confused about how this whole project's going with the nonprofit right now because, like, Carl has, Carl's wife has her own job. Of She went to college, she's educated, she has a very good job, right? A lot of people don't realize that, that without his wife, he wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff that he's doing. He also is a picker on the side. So the dude goes to garage sales, finds antiques, collectibles, appliances, furniture, what, what have you, and flips it, sells yeah. it, always pays his taxes, always does everything he's supposed to do. That's how he makes income, and then he has nowhere. But then now, on top of that, he's got the nonprofit, which brings in money, that that money is specifically and 100% only going towards that building. Yeah, it has to. I mean, he can, I think legally he can take a paycheck, but it has to be a very established paycheck. It would have to be. But but any income has to go back into the the nonprofit. The one thing he always wanted this nonprofit to be, and not only he, but me, him, and his wife, because I'm the third person on the nonprofit board underneath him and his wife, was... That it was a hundred percent a non-profit. Right. He didn't ever want that to be the lines blurred on any of that stuff. So that's what I'm saying. Though legally, he could. I think there's take a there's a, a way for any non-profit corporation to pay certain employees. They have to. Yeah. For most, most. My dad instances. works for a non-profit and he gets paid. So yeah. I mean, I know that that exists, but I can tell you right now that nowhere BMX nonprofit does not bring in enough money. I, to... I did not expect that he was trying to take a paycheck or anything. There, the, the funny thing but... is, and like I'm not, I'm not saying names or pointing any fingers towards anybody because it's all been social media hearsay or whatever else or comments, like you've said. There have been people that have spread things and said I, that he's taken money, like that. that yeah. he's taken money from it, and then it just makes me laugh. I'm like, dude, if only you could sit down and look at the Excel documents. Of every the dude counts the coins in the donation jar at stunt shows, and writes it onto an Excel doc. Like today we raised twenty seven dollars and forty eight cents. Mm-hmm. He's got it down to the gnat's ass of the cent where every dollar is gone, and now we're over sixty seven thousand. You have to running a nonprofit. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I don't think anyone understands. I've never met somebody who takes the, that stuff as serious as he does. Yeah, and. It, so it circles back to like those comments fly, and you see, you know, neg. I, I, I'll take your stance and say negative, but I I really do feel in the sense that I was talking that they are hateful comments. Uh, hurtful is maybe a better word. Okay. Uh, when they're personal, yeah. you know, say what you want about our bike parts, our our the way we ride them, um, the way we dress, there's, whatever. There's been there's been ones, but, man, that I I'll give you. There's been stuff, but in the spirit of the positivity that we bring out in nowhere like that stuff so far in the past now and a lot of the i will say that a lot of the people who have ever made those comments have since talked mm-hmm. like adults and we've chatted and things are a lot better than they've ever been and, and i was gonna say i find it hard to believe that when you look at the big picture of what nowhere is doing for bmx in general, but specifically in Nebraska, how can you hate on it? You know, you can look at 
the bars and say, those things look stupid. Okay, whatever. But you can't look at the fact that he's got a barn full of ramps, an outdoor compound full of ramps. Not to uh, mention dirt, the 80-foot bike. I mean, he's kind of got the trails. He's got yeah. uh, whatever. But now putting up the nonprofit indoor park, like, you can't hate on what this dude's doing. You don't have to like him as a person. You don't have to like the parts. But nowhere BMX is not a bad thing. I agree with you wholeheartedly, 110%. I think that alone, and it's not so much for me like knowing I'm a part of this and I feel so confident in it that I don't care that people make comments or one way or another. It's just that at the end of the day, more and more people... These great people that are stepping up and like making a donation or helping out to the nonprofit or coming out to the Carl's house and working, donating time and labor to everything that we're doing, those people are seeing exactly what you said. Like, how can you hate on this? Let's get on this side of the bandwagon and be a positive change instead of saying any other, like hiding back on social media or anything like that. I mean, I would counter with what have you done for your scene to anyone that's yeah. that's making those negative comments. I totally, like, I totally could see that being, res- but but a lot of times though, man, like me, Carl, like Carl specifically. But that, I try to that's stay- not a that's not a positive approach to to handling that to retort with well, what have you done for your? No, scene? it's not, and that's what I'm saying is that he is unbelievable. In the sense that if somebody makes that comment, he's the first one to go, dude, please come out. Please come ride. Please come hang out with us. Please do this, that, and the other thing. You're welcome here. Even after spewing whatever thing, like he will hit them with, hey, my house is always open. Come on out and see for yourself. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, ride one of the, you know, he's, there are those opportunities where you could respond back with, well, what have you done with your scene? But at the end of the day, where the hell does that get you? Yeah. Ever. You know what I mean? Like, that's always going to be everybody's first thought in their head. But the ability to not well, say it, it is the difference. It's it's the thought from an outsider's perspective, for sure. You, in, you're saying from your perspective as a supporter of Nowhere, looking at other people? I mean, so... I support for sure what Nowhere is doing, yeah. but I cannot call myself a supporter of Nowhere because, honestly, I've never bought any Nowhere stuff. I don't believe I have any Nowhere stuff. Jeez, that's... I might have a sticker, the Proud Parent of a BMX Rider yeah. sticker, Yeah. but I don't know where it is. Um, no, and that makes total sense, man. And I think if... So I just feel like it's disingenuous if I was like, oh yeah, I'm a Nowhere supporter. I've never supported Nowhere. I think it's other than supporting the jams and sponsoring them. I think it's separate though, because even even now you can <coughs> you could support the nonprofit or just a bike company because they're two separate entities at this point. That's fair. So for you to say you support, I can I would say you support the nonprofit. You support that movement. You would tell somebody, hey, if you got ten bucks, donate it. That sounds like support to well, me. And, I, I mean, support in the sense of, like, you know, if someone says something about the bars, like, hey, I, where'd you, or where, what are those V-bars Yeah. when you see them? It's like, oh, they're nowhere. Hit them up. Yeah. Like, seeing that alone, dude, is that support right there to me as a positive person and, like, doing what we've done through this thing, that alone is, like, more, thank you. Thank you for that level of support. You know what I mean? 
That's yeah, how little I, I it know. is. It, to and it. it's, I feel the same way with driver stuff. You know, if if someone's like shouting them out, that's more than enough. Yeah. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. I just, I don't want to give the the false impression off too. You know, no, that's I don't I don't ever think that support is only in a monetized sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. I don't. I don't think it ever has to come down to money because BMX has always been one of those sports that you don't really need to be wealthy or have a lot of money to be able to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps travel and stuff like that. But I think money is like, like the least important part. If you have two dudes that like your whole crew could come out to Nebraska and ride with everybody in Nebraska, or come to Ohio and ride with everybody there, because you guys are just BMX riders and you're chill about it and you just come ride, and that's. That right there means more to me than anything. Is having friends like that. Yeah. That I could invite you to anywhere, and we're gonna have fun on our bikes because at the end of the day, the bicycle is the only thing that really matters. You know. Yep. So and getting kids on bikes and more people on bikes, none of that is ever a negative thing. I don't think. Yeah. Well, it. it I mean, I didn't even touch on. I know the stunt shows and stuff. You mentioned it in passing of. Donation jars for the nonprofit and yeah. stuff, but like just more giving to the community, doing stuff to help get kids on bikes yeah. and keep kids on bikes, and you know, just all of that. I just can't see how people don't, don't like it. Yeah, it, I exactly. <laughs> again hate if you hate the bars, think they're stupid, hate the way the frame looks, good for you. And that's how every one of the people that ride one. Anybody that rides one, you can't, you can't make fun of it. I like we. I purchased the frame knowing darn well that the top tube looked the way that it did. You can't make fun of it. There's mm-hmm. nothing to make fun of. It's just different. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like I was saying, telling you before we started the podcast, like you're one of the first dudes that started. I saw doing weird things to your bike to make your bike work better for you. Like the guards that you created, I've seen you weld ones onto your frame that nobody else has done. It's not been a thing I've ever seen. Um, you run five-inch long pegs. How much more unique could that be? Like, that's to help you do what you like to do on the bike. And that little thing, that little bar on that frame, 100% it was designed initially for Carl to be able to do frame stand 540 taps on easier. And it just so happened to work out that it gave you more clearance and everything else. But it was literally the same concept as what you did to your bike to make it work better for you. Mm-hmm. And then the geometry of the frame just adapted to a very aggressive park riding frame or a tech frame, if you will. So I will correct you. I've never welded anything on my bike. Oh, you I didn't can't weld. You had somebody do it. Uh, I can weld. It's not pretty, <laughs> and it doesn't really stay together. So those guards didn't but, work. But I can, I can take a welder, turn it on. Uh, zap some stuff and watch it fall apart after. I'm oh, broken with that. I got excited. Uh, I thought that was like a, a working thing that did work for you on there. No, they work awesome, but oh. I, I can't do it. <laughs> uh, my buddy Derek Nelson. Derek, has, Derek's the guy that rides a really heavy bike, right? So he has ran those, the integrated hub guards for, I don't know, like over 10 years now. He's done it to everything he's ever had that I've seen. 
and he's just recently started doing it on his forks as well. Like capping around the Mm -hmm. hubs under the pegs. Yeah. Huh. And he's been trying to get me to do that on mine, and like, not that I don't believe him that it'll work, because I understand why it will, but I just, you know, the the extra investment that goes into parts to make that happen, Yeah. I trust that my frame is going to last a year or more. And that the the investment to modify it is worthwhile. On a pair of forks, I don't feel like the investment is worthwhile. That's such a sketchy place of on the bike to start like adding. To me, that's like your dropouts is like the one place on your bike that I don't want to heat back up and um, stress anything. I mean, if it works for Derek, it works for I, Derek. Well, but. I mean, he is reheat treating them. Oh, he does. Yep. Oh, well, then so there's, there's a, a post weld. Yeah, there's a that's a moot point then. I mean, if you're going the extra mile to reheat treat them, then that's a different story, but. You're, I don't know. I've I've broken a dropout off of a fork mm-hmm. before, and it's not a fun. Yeah, no, know. no, it's not just welded on and walked away from. Got it. That's for okay. Sure. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always been a fan of that because personally, I've always hated the aluminum guards, uh, like the the classic FBM style ones. That just went on. They always just smash in or break over time. I used to. I, S&M came out with one a long time ago that was like that symbol guard mm-hmm. where it was rounded out and I like that one a lot more than the, the Yeah, ones, yeah. I don't know. And I don't see I don't grind. The notched ones like the Primo style yeah. and then like a bunch of people have done them after daily grind whatever. They just they don't have the structure. You know, it's got a groove out of it where it needs to have material and they just break. And if you're cool with replacing parts all the time, then those work for you. Yeah. Now, most of them are plastic anyway, and I can't get behind it. I just don't like it. See, I'm, it's so weird. Like, I like your riding so much <laughs> that it's funny because, like, I ride a gyro, a brake lever. I'm a weight weenie on my bike, unfortunately. I rode your guys' pegs for a while, and they're like my, they were, like, my favorite pegs I ever ran, but I'm such a weight weenie. I run aluminum pegs now. I, I can't take you seriously calling yourself a weight weenie running four pegs in a gyro. I know. That's what somebody else said. They're like, how can And you front s- brakes. Like- I don't have front brakes anymore. Okay. I took the front brakes off. But it, uh, yeah, it's, I'm like a weight weenie in the sense that I want my bike that looks heavy to weigh less so that my lazy old butt can whip it around easier. Like, I, think- I got those two bleedo tubes, those orange tubes that cost 40 bucks a piece. I don't know why I did it, but I'll tell you right now, it makes the wheels feel great to me. But see, I don't even have hub guards. Like I run tree hubs with no guards on them at all, and run. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass one of these to you real quick, uh, just because it's gonna make you cringe a little bit. Okay. But have you ever felt a Primo wall? Just because I ride these all the time. Felt the tire, like how stiff the tire is. How heavy it is. Oh yeah, I mean, oh, so anybody who can't see what's in this room right now, Andrew has one, <laughs> two, three, four, what appear to be pretty much brand new sets. Uh, of, yeah. I mean, pretty much. And, and a used set. Of Primo wall tires, you know, back in the day, and these things feel like you could kill somebody with them. 
Now he's, he's way more than both my tires on my bike combined. I've pulled half inch long chunks of steel and wood splinters out of them and not had flat tires too. See? That's but, that's the beauty of like you have to have your bike set up for what works for you. And I'm it, gonna say shout out to Primo for yeah. making the literal best tires. Do they still ever. make them? They discontinued old... them maybe four years ago. Wow, I didn't realize they made them that long. But I buy them anywhere I find them now. That's how I feel about demolition, uh, the old demolition grips with like the straight up just the waffles, waffle the, the, grips. the demolition team grips. Yes, if anybody has those, I'll I'll have Andrew put my address in the description of the video. I might have a set of them on my race bike. Still. Oh my god, that was my favorite pair of grips, and then. Uh, the shout out to Bob Mead on this one, but the really old uh, MacNeil Imperial seats mm -hmm. that looked like kind of like the Dave Mira seats yeah, that they just huge brought back out. Puffy ones. Yeah, like I've always wanted to run one of those seats too, and I've never been able to find one. I know Bob like a long time ago found like a box full of them and bought a bought them all. Orange ones, white ones, everything. <laughs> and he's been a diehard fan of those. Primo wall tires. <laughs> anyway, from from the weight weenie aspect, you're talking light tubes. I'm like, get the heaviest tires. What, so what is your bike weigh? Do, I know you probably don't know. Because I've you never don't care. weighed it. I could care less. Oh god, I could. I have four of the foundation pegs on too, the heavy ones. The original pegs. Yeah, I don't. I took the fives off because I really liked the four and a half inch. The five inch make me angry. Just get like. They were just in the way? They, so I really like riding tight tranny stuff and like diving into really tight things. And they're right at the point where you can't get steep enough without kind of cratering out. So they, they would ping off of that. everything that I dove into. And I'm like, I can't take these things anymore. Yeah, I mean, the catch, so, the catch is one time and you go straight over the bar. No, it was just scrape or chink off the wall or whatever I was diving into and I'm like I can't do it <laughs> I like if so I take back every compliment no, I gave baby. Andrew's bike earlier he didn't weld the, the I know I'm a fraud <laughs> he's a fraud uh I mean I was running the five inch until about two weeks ago three weeks ago look at how long these pegs are <laughs> and I was gonna put the four and a half inch street lights back on and I'm like you know what I just really love the way those foundations grind they're so thick that there's no deflection in them so there's zero energy loss like you don't we want to talk about pegs not sliding it's because they got made so paper thin that all of the energy in the grind got lost in deflection deflection of metal tell me more I'm fascinated what so, does that mean so, so you're saying that the stiffer the peg, when the impact occurs to the peg, the vibration and impact stays well, you're in not, the peg? Well, you're not denting or flexing it, right? So, no. so you're, all of your energy and momentum transfers into a grind. But if you dent or deflect the metal and bend it, it's so much energy is lost in bending the metal yeah. that there's none left for the grind. So everything will feel sticky if you're running tiny little thin paper pegs. Like I do. 
Well, you're, for, running, for you're also running aluminum one, so yeah, it's kind I don't of a discussion. Yeah, I don't have any uh, expectation of grinding when I put um, my pegs on things. Then there's also the discussion of relative roughness. So the larger diameter, rougher surfaces and everything feel smooth when the diameter is larger. It's the same concept as like a 20-inch bike versus a 29-inch wheel. Yeah. I'd rather run over a log with a 29-inch wheel than a 20-inch wheel. Yeah, it's going to feel like you didn't run over anything. So a bigger, rounder peg is technically gives you more surface area to spread the grind out on, or what? Uh, It's round, so it's still instantaneously one point. Yeah. Until you start wearing your peg in a little bit. And all pegs will flat spot to a certain point where you're your weight and distribution is equivalent to like just you know it, it evens the surface area out huh. to, to normalize a little bit i guess i never put that much thought into grinding but, but if you own a company called grindworks i guess you'd have to know all that stuff yeah who do you bit. do grindworks with so there's two other people that were originally part of the project yeah um sorry I, if this is a repeat from no a it's book, it's yeah. fine i don't I mean, I, I don't mind answering and talking. Like, I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, yeah. and I don't know if you do too. I'm starting to get a um, lot more into it now. And it almost bothers me when people deflect questions about themselves, or like, well, this this is my interview. Like, we're only talking about you, and like, oh. this is a conversation. Yeah, so, I want to know just as much um, about you. Grindworks started when I broke my ankle. Okay, seems we, like a logical step after breaking an ankle. We were out of town in Bethlehem, PA at, it was like a butcher's the block shop slash animal something jam. Yeah. And I was trying to film a clip of a trick that I had landed earlier in the day during the jam. And I wadded my ankle up. Oh, Videos on YouTube. <laughs> I have to check that Not out. on the Grindworks page, although I could upload it. Uh, com- comment if you want to see it. <laughs> this is not a vlog. Uh, it's also on the the Instagram at some point. I'll f- Probably I'll my it. private and, and whatever. Anyway, folded my ankle up. I had to have surgery in Bethlehem, so I was stuck about three hours out of town. Oh, that's brutal, man. That's like one thing I've always... Three days, I think. My buddies had to drive my car home, and left me there while my parents or my mom and my wife drove down to, to stay up. with me. Oh my gosh. So it was pretty rough. Anyway, um when I had gotten back up there we kinda like, what are we gonna do for the next like five months? I don't know. Yeah. Like how while how long not... is it gonna take to recover from the surgery? Yeah. So it's like, man, Let's just make stuff. Like, I hate all the pegs that we've ever ridden since the last, like, five years. The last good pegs, in my opinion, were Odyssey GI pegs. Wow, that's, that's been a while ago. And they were sold in the good pair. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, they were just good. And actually, that was what I was running at that time. Yeah. I had found an old set. <laughs> so who... So then you guys just like linked up and found a machine shop, or is it one of the guys so, that you're with that can make them? No, neither of them. Uh, the one worked at a bike shop, and the other one, I don't remember what he was doing at the time. I think he might have actually just recently lost his job. Oh, okay. So he was, 
essentially no help. Um, he did. He helped a lot with the graphic side. Yeah. Um, you know, he was doing some Photoshop work with us. Helped out in that sense, but when it came to getting shirts made, printed, getting parts made, getting you know, just anything done. Yeah. Uh, we just got very frustrated because there was no ability to help out monetarily. Yeah. And we're trying to kick this off and pay attention and keep everything equal and like pay people back out of it. Yeah. You know, if you invested $2,000, like, you know, we're going to eventually make that back over the course of a couple of batches. Right. But it was to the point where it was like a drastic difference in how much we had invested versus the other person. And we're like, look at man, like this is going to be rough, but like, you're not helping, so yeah. you're not in. So now it's just two and, you and one other guy? Um, since then, it's really just, like, I mean, we had a little bit of a hard time for a while with that, and then still throws his two cents in, still helps us out with graphics. Yeah, like, yeah. one of these sticker designs is his. Or, so, like, he's never really been out, and he's still listed on the, the Grindworks page. So um, you do just have like a it's machine. It's just three of them. It's so, so I just sub them out to any machine shop that I work with through work. Oh. So if we have a lot of work going on, uh, and I've got an order in it with the pegs, like I, in good conscience, have to be like, look, it don't work on these right now. Like yeah. work is priority on the stuff that's not grind work stuff. Yeah, the yeah. Other so stuff. if I have a lot of work through my job, yeah going through the machine shop and I've been like, hey man, these pegs are, like, I need them. I have to, in good faith, be like, you can't work on these right now. Go with your employer stuff and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because, realistically, Grindworks, I don't want to say this and I don't want it to sound wrong, Grindworks doesn't matter. Um, in, in the... In just in, the grand scheme of life, you mean? Well... Or what? So, one of the things that I've always wanted personally with Grindworks, and I know this is not an ideal shared by all three original members, but I would never quit my job over Grindworks. If Grindworks got to the point where it was so big that it was like a full-time job and I had to start really buckling down to work on it, I don't want to do it anymore. That just sounds like it's just in a different tier of prioritization in your life. It's not that it doesn't matter, it's just that you yeah. you have a head on your shoulders to the point where you're like, I got a wife, a kid, and a future, and a career. You you just, I think you're just really good at prioritizing. So, I think the point of that, though, is that when I would look at it, I would say, I don't ever want it to be big enough where if I stopped doing it, it affects other people. Oh, I see. So... I would like it to be like, if I can't afford to make another batch of pegs right now, or I can't make shirts, that's cool. That's kind of where I came to with the barring guy stuff. So, like, in the beginning, how I, quote-unquote, summed it up, like, too fast, like you said, it just got to a point where, like, I found another person that could make them for me, but that quote came back so high that I was like, who in the right mind is going to want to pay me 
$30 for a pair of bar ends. Like, that's insane. I wouldn't do that. Like, I bought a pair of bar ends off of Behringer that were 50 bucks, but they were made out of titanium. Again, yeah. weight weenie, whatever. Well, but and sure, you'll get your specialty niche stuff. Like, yeah. people that want something special. I did those five-inch pegs. We did custom runs. I saw that, and yeah. I, you know, it was whatever length you want, but you have to buy four. I don't care if you're only going to run two of them. I don't care if you're going to run three of them. I don't care if you're going to run one of them. You have to buy four. Seems like a logical way. If you want custom um, length pegs, you got to pay for them. And they were expensive. They were a hundred bucks a, a set for four. Yeah. I don't know if that's expensive though. But dude. it's custom length. You're talking custom length and, pegs and pegs made out of a material that and clearly they last. What people didn't know that we did with it was custom packaging. So they had your name That's in right. the packaging and everything. I too. remember seeing the tops of the little, all the little cardboard flaps had like each in you hand wrote the sizes that were in. I had them printed that way. Oh, you printed them like that. I did custom graphics for all of those. Had all the toppers printed with with the person's Instagram name and length that they ordered. Uh, I mean, we did a really good job on them, in my opinion, and I'm a little bit biased on that. But, but um, you know, when you're asking for certain stuff, you understand there's a cost. Well, what's a normal peg off the streets? Nineteen ninety nine for one. Yeah. yeah. So what's twenty four ninety nine for a custom one? Right. You know what I mean? And I could see if I was able, like, if I was able to ever do bar ends again. And I could do, like, you know how they had the diamond on the end mm-hmm. of them? If I was able to offer, like, there's a company out of Cleveland right now. Some dude's doing, like, laser and engraving on top of, like, top caps yeah. for mountain bikes and stuff. If I had the technology to, like, anodize my bar and smooth and then go back through and, laser and custom, like, you know, do one that says grind works or grind some shit on it just for, like, you guys as, like, a custom pair... Then I think I could get back into a niche thing with bar ends and charge 25 so, bucks a piece for them. This interview has not aired yet. Uh, I haven't put it up. The last episode I recorded was with uh, Mitch McCracken. Local dude here. Hybrid. Runs MHS Manufacturing, I think. Okay. So it's kind of a side business for him. He's doing one-off to a uh, small run aluminum millwork. Maybe we should talk to this fella. Yeah, you probably should. He's like doing that. sprockets and stuff right now. I'm actually running one of the sprockets right now. On a bike. It's, it's not on that bike. Um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, let's. I'd like so to. I'll, love I'll put you in with touch with guy. him. You know, even Mitch. if even if we went back to making mm-hmm. smoothies instead of doing the diamonds, because you can get an at home like laser engraving kit, like kit mm-hmm. for. Pretty decent amount of price. Have you ever seen electro etching as well? No. I'm not entirely sure how the process works, but I know it's like a a film that lays over, and it's got an ink. When you put electricity to it, it burns where the the path was. I've never seen that, but it sounds really cool. So that. So essentially, you. It's kind of like a classic laser engraving. Okay. Huh. I don't know, man. I've never seen any... I know the anodizing process. I learned more about that than I had ever known, like how electricity varies with anodizing and 
different materials take different things and the guy that was made you saw my bar ends when i did them like the ones that were colored that mm-hmm. was the deepest anodizing i'd ever seen like that guy packed that color into my bar ends really well mm-hmm. and i miss you know I, I was proud of it i mean sometimes they didn't fit everybody's handlebars just because like yeah i think andrew had a little bit of trouble there but it was it's the design was so simple it was two pieces mm-hmm so in, unless, like, if you look at Behringer's bar ends, the dude, like, knows the mechanical engineering of how to put two wedges together and cut the excess material out so that they'll actually spread apart really far. And that was, like, the one thing I thought mine were always missing was that I made I made the bar ends to the exact inside diameter spec of the nowhere bars or, like, standards tubing for their mm-hmm. handlebars. So it fit the nowhere bars like a dream. They went in and a quarter of a turn on the Allen bolt, they fit. But I think at the time you were running like old Odyssey milk bars or something? No, no, no. Uh, Who was that? Some no, people... they, they wouldn't tighten down because I had my bars cut down, so I was past the thicker diameter. Yeah, yeah where the double butting. butting in the tube was, I, the wedges wouldn't get big enough. Yeah. And then I also had the problem where S&M's tubing, their tubing is thicker mm-hmm. than a lot of other companies, so I couldn't get the bar ends in the hole to even start to begin with. So I, I was feeling bad. Like it, I'm like, man, I got to come up with version twos of these that have more adjustability. But yeah, talking got... to Mitch, it might it might be possible to do something else again. That'd be fun. Yeah, Excuse I'll me. I'll put you in touch with him because I know he's been doing sprockets. He's been doing like little mountain bike stuff. Um, it it seems like a pretty good gig for him. Yeah, I like that he's. He's doing stuff. <laughs> uh, we're talking about maybe Grindworks Rockets or something. Bulgar? I don't know yet. I would like to, but at the same time, if you look at the way this one is, I'd rather do two-piece. Full like- guard, but two-piece. Bolt-on. Yeah. And then you can sell the sprocket, and you can sell the guard, and if you don't want a guard, then perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love it. And anybody who's willing to do any, like, I don't know. I've heard so many comments of, from people before that, like, BMX is so flooded. Like, the industry is, there's so many companies doing the same. And it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, everybody's got their own preference. The weirdest thing I've found lately, though, is, like, the colors. The colors thing is, like, really catching me off guard with companies lately. Like, it seems more about what color package we're making in these parts than it is, like, the quality that was around but back so, I don't know I feel like quality is kind if, of going down but if you have a new colorway that drops every month and your product only lasts two to three months but you can convince kids that it's cool to get the new colorway every month seeing that's no one ever breaks your parts and you've tripled how many you can sell yeah from a business standpoint like your your explanation was just overly simplified if anything like yeah it was it totally makes sense but to me it's always been like damn i remember like when the point of a part remember like all the stuff all the legendary technology i think for bmx that like odyssey did back in the day like with the goofy stems that they made and all that i mean i miss when it was like about making something new and that's why mm-hmm. i haven't seen any of that stuff like it almost looks like some companies like they're just opening a catalog and going i'll put our logo on these part these pedals uh they are yeah, some, some yeah. are, and it's just like, and that's not any jab at any one person or company or anything. That's just me sitting back, going, 
man, I've been doing BMX. Like, I'm not a professional BMX rider, but I've been around BMX since I was, like, nine years old, eight or nine years old, in parts now. And I'm like, that thing looks like it's going to break. Like, so, I have a really funny story about what you were just talking yeah. about. My buddy James ran his company, and it's it still kind of exists. He sponsors our jams every year. But he hasn't made product in it, and he's got a different project that he'd like to start doing. Okay. But he ran Weston Cycles, and he was buying catalog stuff, having him print his logo on it, and just just doing something. Yeah. So he was doing exactly that, and he had these pedals for years, these PC pedals, and they were a cool-looking design, but they didn't last long. They would just break. Yeah. And he had those, like... I don't know. It was long before I moved to Pittsburgh. So this is probably seven or eight years ago. And two years ago, I was at Interbike. And I think it was actually Rant. It was just premiering on their bike those pedals. And I was like, I had to take a picture of them, send them back. I'm like, look at man. They're going to have all the same braking problems you had. Well, and actually, though, like... I kind of like those companies for being like for the kids who like are struggling to be able to upgrade their parts. Mm-hmm. That stuff doesn't bother me because Rant doesn't try to pretend to be a top no. of the line parts company. They no, don't. but it was just funny that they yeah, were like the, the, the same, same one that he, that, that he took out of a catalog. And I've even seen like it's funny to be eight years behind or whatever and be like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, you've already come and gone with this product. I've seen it with pedals, like, freestyle pedals that have the holes in them for reflectors. Like, like if they would have been put on another bike, they would have had a reflector on it. And it's like, wait a second, mm-hmm. how are you passing this off as a freestyle I, product? I actually need to look for this right now, because it was so good that they were the... Yeah, no fine, joke, the exact it. same pedal. Um, and... Well, I'm then he, not going to find it unless I can, if if I tagged him in it, then it'll pop right up in the tags. It's too funny. I'm pretty sure I do. Yep. Okay. Exact same pedal. Oh. I knew exactly what pedal you were talking about, too. I knew it was this pedal, but yeah, it's sure enough, like, just has... Yeah, you can see it. The same pedal. <laughs> and it's just like, that's not a dog on any, like, it's not a dog on anybody. It's just like, let's uh, let's make parts that last. Like Grindworks BMX, how they make pegs that you probably only need one pair of pegs. Unless you're grinding everything every well, day. All right, I'm just going to make a comment for people that are just like Cody, too. You know they get lighter every time you use it? See... Damn it, I knew you were going to say that. Like, just get out there and grind a little bit, wait, weedy, and they'll get lighter. Like, I knew he was going to go there, too. I'm, I'll talk him, and if I, I'll make myself <laughs> Grindworks aluminum pegs <laughs> and run them like I ride for you guys. I'll talk to Mitch and have him yeah, make them. Then they pegs. won't slide. <laughs> Gosh, that's kind of the whole point. Like, I love going to the wheel mill because the wheel mill's got plastic ledges. And my pegs slide on them. Like I hate that stuff. I people hate that Trex board and everything. I'm like, nope. I love that Trex board, but 
there's a key component which is keeping it nice. Oh yeah, and going you, over it with a grinder. You have to wax it. And keep you have it, to keep wax it, it every session. Up. But it not being waxed mixed with kids learning to grind and dragging their chain across it the entire day. Just that stuff doesn't work good. It's not a good spot for it. Like we had it at the ice house. Oh, speaking of that. We'll come back. Yeah, here. I want to know about this place. So we had it at the ice house and it was perfect. The whole time we had that place, year and a half, whatever, we waxed it every time we rode, like well, stayed you super guys probably nice. landing on your sprockets or missing your pegs too often on that stuff either because I mean, you guys know how to grind. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where if you're going to build a grind ledge and you know how to grind, that, that stuff can come into play and help you out more. You don't think so? I don't know. I just it's, like it. It's I like fun. It. It's nice to have, like, if you've got a neighborhood grind box at your house, you can yeah. grind it at 12 o'clock at night and it's not loud. I didn't even think about that. I guess I live, I don't have neighbors where I live. But when it comes to, like, doing tricks and being able to lock in and spin out of them and stuff. Is it too slippery? A piece of angle iron? No. A piece of angle iron allows you to tip over the corner of it. So like you can this. actually lock into it and use it to your Where advantage to pull up or pull over. See, the last one of those Trex board ledges I made, though, I actually made it so that the board itself, like, mm -hmm. stuck up. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, the top of it had a riser piece. Yeah, they're usually just wider than your pegs, each board. Yeah, that's true. But, so, I don't know. Shout out to the wheel mill, though. I like that place. They get so much free advertising on this podcast. <laughs> well, we're right here. I mean, how far away is it from here? Uh, 20 minutes, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's close. I like, it there's close. a, what's the skate park with the full pipe? Pitcher. Yeah, that place. We went and rode there a couple weeks ago. It was really fun, too. I don't like it. That, the bowl was too scary, but I like the little street plaza thing. It was really fun. I just have never liked that park since they built it. Really? Yep. Is it slippery or something? No, I like slippery. I was bummed that they had marble ledges there. That That's my favorite part of Changa is how slippery it is. Oh my gosh, I haven't rode Changa since... Oh. And I ask this question only because maybe you know... Uh, Vince? What's... He's still... Like, alive? Yeah. Like, shout out Vince Smith. Where you at, dog? Hit me up. I posted an old photo of him, like, sometime late last year, I think. Yeah. Like, super old photo, because I hadn't talked to him in a while either. Neither have I. He just, like, disappeared. And then I posted it and, like, got a text 20 minutes later with a stack of new photos. He's like, I just had these shot, like, not long ago. Do you want to post something? Is, like, is he just see, like a man. social media enigma at this point? Like he doesn't care about social media? He had some health problems. I like, knew that. That have steered yeah. him away. Like he hasn't been able to ride the way he wants to. And I think social media has bummed him out. Makes sense. Hey, Vince, we still love you, dog. Come ride. I don't care if you're not as good as you used so, to be. You know, that's really as far as I want to go into that discussion. Yeah, that's so. fine. I don't like discussing people's personal lives. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure he was still like he's, talking he's to people. Around. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen him in forever. I have to get his number from you before I leave. He rode for me when I had like the barring guy thing. Mm -hmm. He was like he was actually the first person I put on put on. Like like I paid my riders or anything. I oh gave, yeah. I gave you barns and 
goofy ass t-shirts that say never leave your hole exposed have you seen our t-shirts i think so yeah, yeah, yeah. like one design friend talking yeah but but you say that and then like was it last year or the year before that some kid died because like, well, they look got at, look at dennis look at dennis mccoy with him like that happened a couple years ago with him and matt hoffman riding the vert ramp together mm-hmm. like it terrifies me the thought of not running bar ends. And there's people that like voluntarily don't do it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, you know, to each your own. I honestly, I don't have a stick in the, what the hell is that term? Stick in the fire or whatever. When it comes to the argument, like helmets, bar ends, any of that stuff. If you're out at the compound or if you're at my house riding or anything like that, you'll, you have to have a helmet on. That's just common sense. It's other people's insurance. Mm-hmm. But if you go out street riding and you don't have a helmet on, and you're an adult, I think that comes into play. If you're a yeah. kid, like your parents should be like looking out for you a little bit. But I don't care if you don't wear a helmet. I really don't. But I think everybody should. Yeah. And that's whereas there's people that make it such a big drama thing. There were like, well, if you would have been wearing a helmet, I'm like, I don't feel a need to make those comments because as soon as you hit your head on the concrete, the first thing you wish is that you had a helmet on. I don't know anybody who hit their head and went. Damn, I'm really glad I wasn't wearing a helmet. Well, it's like when you pop your knee off your stem and then put a knee pad on, right? Yeah, same concept. Roll it's your learned. ankle, then throw your ankle brace on. We're, we're, like, well, we're humans. Me. We're humans at the, or we're animals in the greatest sense of the word, just like a dog, like or a child, burns their hand on the stove. They're not going to put their hand there anymore. If you crack your head on the concrete, I hope that you decide to wear a helmet afterwards. But just wear one in the first place. Like I love helmets. I don't ride my bike without them anymore. And I, the only thing I love more than helmets are bar ends because I'm not trying to die, getting pale. I like shoes. Shoes are important too. I like shoes. I guess. I mean, these aren't riding shoes. I wear. Um. I mean, I'll ride my bike if I lost the bar end one day. I'd probably ride my bike back to my car to get another one. Yeah. Uh, if I lost a shoe one day, I'd probably walk. Yeah, I you run do you run metal pedals or plastic pedals? Uh, I alternate. I prefer think, metal. I've been thinking about going back to metal lately. So, metal pedals crank flip better. You can actually grab them to flick them. How do you do crank flips with no. your back foot or with your front foot? Both at the same time. Yeah. That way you but can do doubles. Maybe. I can't do but the metal ones are heavier. So they spin faster. Oh, you know what? Bob Mead actually told me that that's a real thing with, like, handlebars, too, with bar spin tricks. That, like, your handlebar, the weight of your bars, I mean, it's, it should be common sense. Centrifugal force, the heavier mm-hmm. something is, the more gener- gen- rotational force it can generate. But I never thought about your pedals helping it come around because the metal, mm-hmm. the weight. I need to add weight to my bike, Andy. I know. <laughs> I need to lose some um, weight. Need to lose some weight here, and then maybe I can add it to my bike. But no, when you were asking about grip, I, you probably didn't see it, but I have no pins on my pedals on either side. Yeah, I mean you can check my left pedal here. That that is how I rode that for ages. No pedal. There's no pin. And my shoes are completely smooth, like they're worn out. Ha. Huh. So I. Do you do the same thing with metal pedals? Like yeah, if you were yeah, I'll, metal, I'll break the pins out. You break the pins. Or take them out. Wow. But usually they just break out. So, 
one thing that's always driven me nuts is hearing other people complain about I can't do that. My pedals aren't grippy right now or oh my foot got wet or I can't do that. It's too slick. These are my bad shoes and it's like uh if you just hook your foot a little bit and hold on to the pedal and know where your pedal's at, it doesn't matter. I could never do it. I don't know. I think it's a security thing for me. Like, I agree with you in the sense that, like, your pedals aren't, like, just because your pet pins are a little bit shorter doesn't mean you should blame your pedals for stuff. But I am a big old fan of pedal pins. I love having my pedals feel like they're stuck to my feet. I hate it. Yeah. When I can't adjust my foot. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't, like, land, I can't land on my crank arms either. Like, if I do foot jam whips and stuff, I hate landing, like, on my crank arms. I like landing on my pedals. And But I, I have a lot of buddies that ride that basically, like, one of our friends, Jacob Thiem, I don't know if you've ever seen that kid mm-hmm. ride. That kid's like a park, he's like a box jump and park riding wizard. Yeah. Out of Nebraska. Like, but he, uh, he can do everything he does he's on like constantly stands or has his feet like back and forth between his crank arms and his pedals and i've just never been able to move my feet around like that so what you probably never noticed because you only see stuff on like instagram and stuff yeah whenever i do crank flips i slide my foot about halfway off the pedal so like to the forward or to the rear to the outside to the outside so I'm only half on the pedal. Like with this part of your foot here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like on paper, like if this is the pedal, your foot would normally go like this. Yeah. I'm like this. And you do that with both feet? Both feet. So, so that's can... what I'm saying. I like People say I do a back foot crank flip, but I counter that it's both feet because I do it like a kick flip on a skateboard where I put pressure on the back foot. But I slide the front foot off so that it relieves that pressure like that this. Immediate pop. Yeah. It starts spinning them. That makes sense. I guess I never thought about moving my feet out. Because I've had problems with trying to crank That's why mine look like no footers. Where I, yeah, because your feet blow off. to the, Like when you pop that one off, your feet are going like this. Mm-hmm. I've had problems where I try to kick and I end up like kicking my crank arm because I'm not mm-hmm. moving my feet around. So it might be a. I might have to go home and move my feet out and try the. But new yeah, crank it's like a. It's being half on that, like, if I can't slide my feet over when I want to do a crank flip, it really messes with me. And you can set up quick, like, do a grind, land, and get your feet like that, and hop and do a crank flip without any, because you have no pins. You can basically just move your feet wherever you need them to be. I mean, it's the same concept, riding pinless pedals is the same, like, argument Simon Tabron made a long time ago when... He took his brakes off his bike on a vert ramp, and he's like, skateboards don't have brakes. And it's like, skateboards don't have pedal pins, and somehow they, they stay grip. on They have grip. So a lot of people ran grip tape for a while. That was like a thing. On the pedals? Yeah. See, like, but aren't It was the, like a mid-school thing to have grip tape instead of pins. I never remember that. I remember that being like a flatland thing. Where, like, the flatland riders would have those things that just look like platypus tails sticking off their pedals covered in duct tape, or grip tape. Mm-hmm. But Even the, the old Reuben pedals came with a They did come with, it looked tape. like a nasal strip worth of grip tape that went right in the middle. Son of a gun. They just re-released those pedals for, like, all their anniversary mm-hmm. stuff. I remember seeing that. Huh. That's funny. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. That's been like a weird thing for me that I've... I can put pins in my pedals, but I don't really like it. I never... See, that's the thing. Like, I have nothing negative to say about the fact that you were on pins. All I can say is I, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. But then again, I don't know because I've never tried. So you just yeah. got to... No, because in your mind it bugs you that you don't have exactly, them, and then right. you're like, "I need new pedals." Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, perfect! You're done with those. Let me get them." <laughs> you're like the friend that bums the pair of shoes off your friend. Oh, you're going to buy new shoes? Those ones only have one hole in them. Let me get them. I had a buddy up in New York that when we used to have this park, East Shore Skate Park, I heard of that one. in it was in Lansing, New York, outside of Ithaca. Okay, my buddy Tommy loved used ODI grips. Like ones that dudes have been riding for a Oh, yeah. Months. Yeah, he wanted them as worn in as they could possibly be, like almost down to the bar. So he would buy new grips and give them to me just so he could have my old ones. He'd buy new ones so that he could have a pair of old ones. And I was like, I'll ride brand new grips all the time. I don't really care, like... See, like, uh, that's actually been one of the... That was a great deal. Tommy, we should link back up. Yeah, do you need any used ones? Those ones look pretty, uh, pretty destroyed. I got some super used ODIs right here. Yeah, those ones, they have, like, they look like a... They're concave. They've been on two separate builds on two different sets of handlebars. See, I'm actually... I struggle with the grip thing. I've gone through so many changes with grips because I broke in this hand. And I've broken this finger twice on this hand. It's like my fingers don't even go straight. So it's like I struggle with grips because some of them are too fat and I don't feel like I have enough strength in this hand to grab them. Other ones are too thin and I get like bruises in my palms from like where it hurts. And right now, it's ironic, I've, I'm riding gloves with a pair of Fly Joe Rowey or Joey Rowe. They look like old Amy Tri, like the old hard triangle Amy grips. Mm-hmm. They look just like those, and they have like very little flanges. But the grip is thin enough and hard enough that I get really good grip while I'm wearing gloves. But I don't know. I hate grips. I like other people, you know, like what do you go through the most? And it's like I go through grips, but not because I wear them out, but because like I haven't been able to find a pair of grips in years. I'm gonna give you the Derek hurt. Nelson reference. What's that? He uses hockey tape. I keep thinking about doing it. I saw that one of the Canadian kids when so, we were just at Woodward had it. Sometimes he'll do it straight to the bar. Usually he'll do like a layer of it and then he'll twist some and put like a spiral wrap so there's a little bit of texture in there. Yeah. And then go back over it. I was I so always that you've wanted, got texture. I was he'll also do it over thin grip sometimes. So you've got like See, I feel like that would make him too big for me, but well thin. Thin, thin. Like these grips I'm running right now are really thin. I've always wanted to do the hockey tape. Oh, Odyssey came out with a. They were Gary Young's grips a couple years ago that had the center of the grip had a little bit more of more rubber in the center. So on this part, this part of your hand and this part of your hand, you got to close in tighter. And I've wanted to do the hockey tape, and then right in the center, just like do three or four extra layers so that it was in my palm. But, I don't know. Do it. Worst case, you hate it and you pull it back oh, yeah, off. Yeah, you cut it off with a razor blade. But and... they, it doesn't get really as sweaty as you would think. Like, most grips hold water in the grooves and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really pretty good. I've 
I've never ran it long term, but I've ridden his bike with it before, and yeah. I'm like, this is not. One that of the bad. Canadian kids when we were at Woodward, I think from like Joyride up in Canada, he had the whole left side of his handlebar was hockey tape, and I was just like, what do you do that for? He's like, because I can grab anywhere on the bar that I need to, and it's it never gets slippery. But I just haven't had the cojones to go to Dick's Sporting Goods or whatever and buy some hockey tape. I'll have to do that in honor of Derek. <laughs> Send him a picture of it. You should do it. Do it like, yes. So, you're from New York originally. How Did you, did you end up in Pittsburgh because of your woman or because of your job? Or? No, for work. Um, mm-hmm. I... So, this is like a long convoluted story in a way. I took an internship while I was in college that I didn't want <laughs> because they were paying me less than I had made than I was making at Big Lots when I worked there. And, you know, within the first couple months, that all got rectified. But I was like, this is garbage. Yeah. Like, I can't believe how low you're going to pay me. And then um, that, that, that's what inevitably brought, brought well, you down here? With so it? I worked there as an intern for like five years, maybe longer, before I took a full-time job there. But during my internship, I did testing and work for one of our companies that, that distributed our product, uh-huh. which is the company I work for now. So I knew all these people. Like, I knew the owner, um, just in interaction. Because you were doing work for them through this company, but working yeah. for this people. Yeah. Okay. So, I did about five years on the same product line there. Huh. And then, when I got hired full-time, they're a big corporation, and sometimes corporations don't make any sense. Yeah. So, they couldn't hire me full-time into the position I was in, because I already filled that role. Which, like, from a small company, you're like, all right, so we'll just put you on payroll, right? No, they didn't have a need. So what they told me was I would have to quit and reapply with the general job pool when that position gets posted. Or they could hire me into this alternate role that they had an opening for right now. And I'm like, yeah, that seems like the better option. Yeah, than risking qu- turning, <laughs> yeah. Off this, turning off the power and trying to turn it back on? No way. Yeah. Just so, keep, that's terrible. So I got hired into a hardware line instead of the product line that I had worked on for five years. And then in like within a year, they actually sold that division of the company. And all the employees went with it. So I got sold off. And to Pittsburgh. Nope. No. Nope. Still in Binghamton. Oh, jeez. Uh, worked there another year or so. And, I mean, liked what I was doing and everything. Liked the people I worked for. Yeah. Um, but I got a phone call that was from these guys saying, we heard you don't work at that company anymore. How do you feel about moving to Pittsburgh? Got it. I'm working for us. I'm like, I could entertain this idea. So how so, far away are like where you're so, here from your old home? Uh, five and a half hour drive. One way. Three hundred miles. Yeah. One way. Yeah. I didn't realize that that thing. It's thing really far. Was way up there. So, it's there's no direct line. 
Oh, it's one of those towns you got to take three highways. And... I just from here to there, there's it's like mm 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 jeez. So whatever. But uh, on the flip side of that, I had been making trips down here to ride with Derek because his brother lived here. Oh, so you were already getting familiar with the area. So I already, yeah, I like knew some of the area. I'd been down here a couple of times, enough times that the year before we had, before I got offered a position at all down here, I had been down here enough times that I had brought Rachel down on a vacation, just like, (laughs) I love this area, I think it's awesome, you need to come see it too, we'll spend a week down there and we'll go do the zoo and stuff, so we actually came down here and stayed in a hotel that's right around the the corner from where we live right now. Uh, What a funny story, though. And So you still work for that company that essentially snagged you from the other company? Yes. That's that's cool, though. And you're a mechanical engineer. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it worked out really awesome, but had I not known the area and everything, I don't know that I would have been, like, that stoked (laughs) on it. Now, I had a whole bunch of friends from Binghamton that had moved down here the years prior. So, like, not only was Derek's brother down here, but a bunch of our other friends from, like, high school and, the, and from HCS so, so it made were it a living lot, here. It made it a lot easier of a transition. <laughs> they all were moving back when I moved down here. Um, I don't think any of them live here anymore. Not even his brother. Why do you think that is? Cost of living here is way more? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. The one guy did, he just moved back here. Tom just moved back. Okay. So he had moved up there right when I moved down here, and he stayed up there for about four and a half years and moved back (laughs) down here. Shoot. But, no, um, this area is pretty cheap for the most part. So is up there. There is no industry up there. It's a we we, we call Youngstown like a place with no career level jobs. Like yeah, you can you can always find a job, but you're probably going to be making less than fifteen dollars an hour working in an office or in retail setting. It's not there's not a whole lot of mechanical engineering jobs in Youngstown. Whereas if you go to Cleveland or Dayton or Columbus, yeah, they, they have them there. So I don't know. Like I I was living in Omaha and Omaha's huge. I mean that that's Warren Buffett's from there. Mm-hmm. And I was when I was in the military. That's where I was stationed. And then moving back here, it's like my wife was like, "I've never seen places like this that are so green." Like I drove her. She came to the wheel mill with me once. I think that's where we were going. But she was just fascinated by how green Pennsylvania and Ohio are. Like because she's from New Mexico, so like her whole life's been brown cactuses beige. and beige, and <laughs> and then Nebraska, everything's a different shade of beige pretty much because it's a cornfield or a wheat field or something flat and then she comes here and i took her we went to go see a show at the benenum center downtown Mm -hmm. in pittsburgh and uh she was like a tourist walking around downtown pittsburgh she's like i've never seen buildings like this she goes there's people on the corner like actually dancing and playing music i'm like that's what happens in big cities like she's never seen it before it's fascinating to bring a bring my wife back pittsburgh's a really cool city though i want to come over here like I so badly want to get over here and like link up with people to ride all day in P- Pittsburgh. There's a bunch of dudes from Youngstown that come over here a lot. Do you know like the Anthony Palanti mm-hmm. and Tyler Keish and those guys? Yeah. Like those dudes are some of the only guys I really have to ride with over in Youngstown. 
And unfortunately, shout out to those guys, but I don't get to ride with them as much as I'd like to either. Yeah, well, your schedule seems like it's kind of... Dude, it's, I work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Sometimes on Saturdays, if one of the other guys has to take a day off. And I work 2 to 10 almost every day. Saturday is a pretty solid day. To have, so, to have off, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, can, I mean, I can get stuff done on Saturday, like especially if I'm willing to like drive somewhere Friday night at 10 o'clock when I get off of work. Yeah. And like drive up and then stay. I've done that where I go up to Cleveland the night before. And then I get up the next morning and I do the raise thing all day. I see that being possible over here too. Like, totally mm-hmm. jump in the car Friday night, drive over here, knock on your apartment, and say, "Hey, I'm just gonna sleep on the yeah. living room floor, and we'll get up the next morning and ride." So. I got an air mattress in that closet right behind hey. you. It fits this room perfectly with the way it's set. I gotta up. make it happen, man. I gotta get back on. I gotta get on my bike as much as the year as possible, just because, like, with the move and. With everything else, like coming back here, the bike is still the one thing that always like keeps mm-hmm. the head, the head just right, you know. And now that my kids are riding, it's a whole other ball. You should see this bike I built for my son, dude. Like, I feel bad for my son because kids are gonna look at him and go, "Oh, your mom and dad bought you my nice bike," but I kind of went like crazy. Uh, yeah, but you're gonna. My dad rides. Well, that's well. Then my so thought not, too. Everything it's not I like. Your parents just bought you the nicest bike. They bought you a bike that they knew was good. Well, and not only that, but for me, any money I put into my one kid, I just give the bike to my next kid when he gets older. So it's like when my four-year-old's seven Mm -hmm. and he's ready to get on a 16-inch bike, he's going to have an FBM with profile minis and like tie tie cranks and stuff on it. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Like To me, I would rather put money into my kids early and put them on a bike that's lighter and put them on a bike that they can ride and learn on. Not because I ever want them to be professional BMX riders, but because I want them to love the same kind of things I do. The day that they decide to pick a soccer ball up over a freaking BMX bike is the day that I guess I'm going to a soccer field to watch soccer games. Like, mm-hmm. as hard as that is to say as a BMX rider that's been riding for a long time, I'm totally prepared to make the bike sacrifice for my kids. But as of right now, my kids are blowing my mind, dude. Mm-hmm. Like my son's jumping. I think I got the cinder block plywood ramp up to like 20 inches tall the other day. And he's shooting it out to the yard. Nice. He's doing tur- or, uh, tire feeble grinds. Like I have a curb in my driveway. Does tire feebles 10 foot on a 16 inch <laughs> bike. And like, I'm just, that gives me more excitement nowadays than anything. Like, yeah. I love watching my kids ride. I'm sure every time your son gets on that little bike in the living room, you're like, think it's the... I saw he was doing a seat stander on it the other day. I oh, think yeah. I saw. Yeah, yeah. Climbs up and stands on the ro- the seat of the Strider bike. It's like that kind of stuff is almost as exciting as like anything I've ever landed before. He's got so I he's got the Strider and it's a little bit big for him yeah. still. Like he can do it, but it's uncomfortable. But I bought this other little one. And it's like a tricycle. With I saw two, it sitting right next to it. Two so front like two, wheels. Yeah. But it fits him better. So he really likes that. And it balances a little bit for him. It still tips over really easily. So it's not like it stands up on its own. Yeah. As soon as my son but outgrows his strider, I'll let you borrow that one. Because it, it's one of the DK ones. That has like a really low? low slung seat. It's like my son's too big for it almost now. And he's only four. Yeah, I think he's within a month or two he's gonna be on that regular strider yeah and it's weird dude but, watching the light turn on in their head like because i thought for the longest he'll, time i'm like he'll bunny hop the, the little one if you're like jump he like 
goes along and he like jumps it up and that's awesome like yes that's awesome seriously like as soon as you get to see the light click on in the kid's head when they figure out like oh my god if i just run as fast as i can and pick my feet up i can cruise that moment is just like you can't even put it into words as a parent it's (laughs) it's weird it's really weird things i never thought i'd say you know i think i thought by now i'd be talking about you know how many beers i drank last night and what thing we did on a trip. I, I never thought I'd have kids. I never thought I'd have a wife, but like, I'm so thankful that I have both of them. And you, know, you wanted to be the remember the days when guy? Yeah, like the dude <laughs> that never left his hometown, like guy that moves back home after the military and just drinks at the bar every night. Like I thought for sure that was my life, but I'm, gl- I'm so glad that that didn't happen that way. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome that that's not the way things went. Yeah, I mean, I don't get to ride hardly at all, but... I just, mean, you still got time. Yeah. You got time to be that guy. I could still I could still backpedal for a lack of better wording. Just get like ten solid more years of being a cool dude and then like go back, just revert to the the oh remember the time when we used to do this? The, the two types of people that are driving nuts like that are the remember when guy and the you know what you should do guy? That guy that's like, Oh, you know what you should do. You shouldn't do what you wanted to do, you should do what I say. Like those people blow my mind. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it the way that I wanted <laughs> to do it in the first place. I don't know. <laughs> well, what you thinking? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't ever put a cap on these I don't, things. I don't. I only glance over my shoulder to make sure it's still recording. How, how far have we gotten so far? I'm interested to know. Hour 36. Really? Well, we gotta, I got to do shorter podcasts than Brant. No matter what, well, no matter what, it has to be shorter than Brant because Brant makes everything so long. I make a lot of these long. There's been a couple at like the oh. three-hour mark. Side note: that was not me making fun of you, Brant. That was me just joking about how long your videos are sometimes. That's a. Uh... I wouldn't know. I've never watched one of Brant's videos. See, that's worse than whatever I just said, Brant. Andy's never even spent time to watch your videos. I told him face-to-face that. I think it was in his podcast. No, I just like giving him crap, because I think think when he... This one always stands out to me as funny, and I'm saying this as to be funny. When he built his uh, Nowhere bike up, he made, like, the bike check build video. It was like a an hour and 45 minutes long like it was it was two parts on his youtube page and i was like brant short it up short it up bud <laughs> i mean whatever you do you brant i, I think, like i think i think you you know what your audience likes let's put it that way definitely i think that the whole vlogging thing nowadays and even doing these podcasts it's got to be difficult for anybody that's trying like Anybody. I have respect for any of the guys that are out there doing it. Like, even if they're... I don't know. There's a couple of guys I do watch and a couple of guys I don't watch. I really want to get into... I want to start listening to Dennis Anderson's podcast. I haven't got to do his. I've gotten through almost all of the vital ones. Mm-hmm. Starting to go back through yours. Yours are a little bit more difficult for me to wrap my head around because some of the guys I don't know. Yeah, this is... <clears throat> this one's very regional. Yeah. And when it's not... It's like still people, no one knows. Or well, like, like me, I'm on your podcast regional. right now. Nobody knows who I am. Like, I, I thank you to anybody who has stuck around this long to listen to me talk. I think that's kind of cool though, because one thing that I try not to do is make it a bunch of regional inside jokes. 
Yeah. And that's what you can notice that a lot when when you start listening to certain things. It's like everyone knows the backstory, so you can just like say one thing, everyone chuckles over it, and then you move on, and you're like, as a listener, I don't know what you're talking about. I guess I never really thought about that. That does happen a lot in different scenes and like different inside jokes and comments that people would make or jokes like, oh yeah, John or something like that, Mm -hmm. talking about somebody else that the audience had no idea who you were referencing. So I could see that being... The other thing that drives me nuts is like the sarcastic humor. Like where people are like being overly sarcastic about something to try to be funny. I never understood that concept either. I don't even have uh, a, I don't even have a good example of what I'm talking about, but it's. I know what you mean, I, and I can see that I do that sometimes. Like I take a very sarcastic approach. I haven't felt that way at all. I appreciate. Well, I you. I haven't in any of. The, oh, you haven't been like sarcastic this one or anything. Got yeah. it. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think, and then like another couple you should listen to. Imprimatur is really good. It's Mike Hinkins' podcast. Oh. Mike Hinkins, the guy from Minnesota, right? He used to he rides with Grant Castelluso a lot. Yeah, no, he's from uh, Wisconsin though. Wisconsin, yeah. One of the he he I think I've met him at a. But he he works four for Madeira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've met him at Four Seasons yeah. before. So he has a really awesome podcast. It's it's meant to be a little bit more intellectual. Okay. okay. So it's like really intricacies of BMX, and he runs a website. That talks a lot about it. Um, I'm pat myself on the shoulder, I guess, here for a second. I just had an article published on there as well. Oh, no kidding. But uh, I want to get into all of them. Honestly, no, so, none of them, none of them bug me. None of them drive me nuts. They each have their unique thing that I think that's what's nice is that a lot of the guys that are committing to these podcasts aren't becoming cookie cutter. It's mm-hmm. not. Each, uh, like the Garrett Burns interview, did you listen to that one? Oh. Which, with, with uh, the uh, BMX and our blood one? Yes. I am so far behind on Joe's work. I think I'm on episode 23 right now, and I've been trying to catch up on those. It's, it's fun. It's almost like, uh, I remember as a kid, like, you'd come home from school and you'd want to catch your favorite episode of a mm-hmm. show on TV, because we didn't have direct TV, and save your show stuff back in the day and like podcasts are starting to become that way for me to where i'm excited to get home for that 30 minutes and where i sit in the garage and Mm -hmm. listen to one and then i pause it and i go back to whatever i'm doing so right now uh bmx in our blood joe has been doing a whole bunch of pittsburgh ones oh really well yeah he just did the wheel mill one and i think he did one with mason mason and i thought there was another one recently but yeah murphy and zoo I think he might have done the Potos their Yeah. What's it? The one Potosny so, brother. So I'm so far behind and I like to listen to all of these in order. Do, do, do so, his seem to go in like a sequential order uh, or not always. No. Oh. But I think that would be a hard know, thing. It's really hard to not reference back to like when I did this one and talk to so and so. Yeah. So like even if it's little intricacies like that, I like to be aware. Of what the discussion is so and I feel like every interview and like just interaction that I have on my my show yeah I feel like it shapes the way you look at your next ones and maybe the way you ask questions and and just 
interact and you can tell improvements so like i feel like to maybe go listen to some recent ones and go back you might almost be annoyed of yours no no oh. to so he's on like what episode 70 or something oh it's up there whatever it is so if you skip 50 episodes i see what you're, you're saying. gonna notice a difference I, versus like episode to episode you're making gradual transitions he's fine-tuning the craft as it gets along mm-hmm. so the quality of one versus 71 is going to be massively yeah. different whether or not it's the same person or not and you might you might not even like 70 or 70 whatever if you yeah. jump straight to it after listening to the first 20 because it could be totally different yeah, whereas if you well, just is. make your way there, yeah, it's going to be what it is. He's been, I mean, he's had so many good um, ones. I think, I think he's, he's supposed to be doing Carl, I think. And don't quote me on that, and I'm sorry if that was like something I shouldn't have said. Uh, whatever. But I think, I think he might be going out to Nebraska or something soon to do a podcast with Carl, so that would be on the lookout for that. I Hopefully, during the... I know he likes to do them on location that would be, during the events. There's a there's another dude that like has started coming around all the nowhere stuff. The the his name's Stony. He's the guy that runs Old Fat Guy BMX. I'm unfamiliar. He's a he's a dude. I think he's from Illinois. But it sounds right up my alley, dude. Seriously, you know the <laughs> you know the guy from Ohio, Dustin Reese, the real yeah. old dude with the dreads. I don't know who he is, but you've but heard I know him. the name. He, uh, yeah, he does stuff with Stoney, but Stoney's like a dude that just loved BMX or at one point in time, or maybe he found it later in life, but he's just, quote unquote, an old fat guy who likes BMX, and he started a YouTube channel, and he films interviews with all sorts of people for old fat guy. Like, he's done one with Carl, he did one with Dustin Reese, that's, you know, Steve Colbis. He yeah, liked, yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy Kolb. He's from Illinois. Now he's been doing a lot of Flatland stuff. Like, shout out to him. Like, he's... That kid is a shredder. And he's been on the old fat guy stuff, too. Yeah, any of those guys that are doing media-related stuff for BMX, especially on a level, like, down here from, like... Like, I think BMX is really focused right now on the topics keep coming up about, like, the Olympics and stuff like that. Especially on the... The it's not vital. It's Kyle Carlson's podcast, The Rollback. Yeah, yeah. He's he's made it in a couple of episodes very clear that it's not associated with vital. Yeah, it's a separate thing. It's that thing, that topic. But albeit very, very important, I think to BMX because that's another one of them concepts. Like, how could you hate that we are in the like? It might not be this the thing that BMX has always been or whatever. But any kind of forward progress is always going to be good progress. And that's my opinion on the Olympic. But I like the guys that are out there doing everything else but worrying about that. Mm -hmm. Still going into a small town to meet a new rider like Joe does. like Or giving spotlight to a guy like Mason. Like that dude's... That dude does stuff on bikes that other people can't do. (laughs) Like straight up can't do. Not even... And... I've seen him do stuff before. It looked like he sh- he should be riding in like the Nitro Circus shows. Yeah. Um. And but he doesn't get a whole lot of attention. So I think that's about to change because he was. I don't remember what the contest even was. He just kind of blew up at that one contest. He was just at the dirt contest. Oh yeah, the triples event. Yeah, because yeah. he got. 
I saw in the video, like, Jamie Bestwick was, like, loved the dude. Like, he was like, this guy's one of my new favorite Yeah, dudes. and I think he's going to be competing in a couple other things. We have so. a guy that rides for nowhere now. I don't know. Have you seen, uh, did you watch the Chucky Kobe, the double front flip kid? Everybody knows him as double front flip kid because, like, his rebel run at Feast where he did the double front flip. But mm-hmm. he rides for nowhere now. And we just dropped an edit for him. His I work. heard they have ugly frames. Dude, they do, and like their girl frames, <laughs> like you gotta get a skirt to be able to wear one of our bikes the right way. Yeah, you can just like step right through it. Yeah, like it's so. Dude, I heard the best one the other day. The best one I've had on the frame so far, and it might not seem that funny to everybody else, but I was at the wheel mill, and there's this kid that walks in. Still don't know his name, whatever. If you remember saying this, then and you're listening, then haha. But he goes. Why you got a bank to wall ride on your top tube? And he said it all like in this weird like Kentucky accent or something. But he called it a bank to wall ride, and I was just like, "That's that's the first time I've ever heard that one." That one caught me off guard. But I actually feel bad even making the joke because you shouldn't. I don't. Know. You shouldn't. I don't. I don't know Carl enough. Oh, trust me. If I, if I say sure you should make the like, joke, you should fine, totally but, make the joke. But I've always laughed at like. I don't inherently dislike the look of the bars or the frame. The combo has never looked appealing to me. Dude, it's <laughs> it's it's so hard for me nowadays to like to look at your bike hanging up on the rack because I remember, you know, for it's 17 so 17 18 years I rode a bike that looked just like that. And now looking at them it's almost weird to me, but then I see guys like Col- Steve Kolb in Illinois rides our frame but not our handlebars. And that, to me, looks weirder than seeing the dip the and the dip. <laughs> Having one and not the other has always looked weird. Like, a pair of nowhere candy bars on a normal bike looks a little bit weird. It really, it not weird in the sense that unappealing, but it looks odd to me now, not seeing the two together. But there's about to be, we're, I'm just going to start talking about this, but we're about to drop another frame, too. There's a guy on Colorado that rides for us. His name's Danimal. Dan Nielsen. He had mm-hmm. like a... He was riding for demolition for a while. And like he had a pretty crazy edit drop for his demolition part a couple... Like a year or two ago. But basically that Mike Danilo frame that we have for Nowhere. We're making like a blown up version of it. That's not going to have an ultra short top tube. And it's going to have a little bit longer back end. And a little bit taller standover height, but all the angles are still going to be the same. So you're still going to have that ultra steep head tube like the Mike D frame has, but it's going to be made for like a 21 inch top tube for the guys who wanted a little bit bigger of a bike to still run that goofy top tube. Now we're coming out with both avenues for it. So just be on the lookout for that. I actually, the, uh, I'm going to be in trouble if I don't remember this. Pedal driven cycles. Yeah. They're making our frames now. Awesome. So, that the guy down there, like... Yeah, he, Dave. Dave, yeah, he knows Vince, and I think Vince rode for him long back in the day. Vince used to ride for FBM to some capacity Yeah. when Dave was the welder for FBM. Yeah. And, and Dave used to have spooky cycles before that, or... Yeah, I don't, I don't know all the back history of it, but I just know that we were lucky enough now that we're working with Dave at Pedal Driven. Yeah, that's awesome. I Dave's an awesome guy. Yeah, I can't give you any dates on anything. I can't put anything in stone, but I can say well, that. Well, he just had um, like a mini stroke or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and 
Yeah, just TIA. Happened. TIA. That's yeah, it's from like a little brain incident. Yeah. Something so. going on. Like, and, but like, shout out to him for the sense that he had that little health scare and everything else, but he hasn't really put us on any kind of delay. Yeah. The dude hasn't made excuses. The dude is on top of his game and he's putting out really good product. I am waiting for a frame from him as well. Oh, really? Like a custom one? No. Um, or well, a one. Oh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, you can if you want. I can pause. Yeah, oh, can you pause? Let me throw this on, on hold here. Hello? Alright, we're back. Alright, hey. Sorry back. about that. Back, back, back. Let me make sure the. Sometimes the mic doesn't. Alright, we're good. Alright, I like to make sure the mic is working. That, that would be kind of a problem. For the whole end of the interview to just. <laughs> Yeah, I just have to record something that's like, sorry, uh, this died. <laughs> but um, what were we talking yeah, about? I, that I'm waiting on a frame. Yeah, you're waiting on a frame well. from Dave. So when, let's see, I've got it right here. When Go Fast Pull Up was released and put out, whatever. Yeah, that's Jimmy Levan's movie. Yeah, stuff, right? yeah, they did the limited edition Kiz frame. The metal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dave's making those. Oh, he and I, I ordered one of the ones with the frame. Oh, no kidding. I didn't so, know he was doing stuff with them, too. So, I guess they had a couple... I don't remember what the number was. It was a limited number. They had the dropout still from the original frame. So, they're, they were only making enough frames to, to use the existing the dropout. dropouts. And you got in there on, in time to get one. Mm -hmm. That's pretty wild. There's a... Yeah, I'm really interested to see, like, I've seen his frame stuff before, and, like, everything we've dealt with with him is fantastic, so I'm really excited to see, like, more of our frames get, like, originally I think it was 161 frames we made, mm -hmm. and, like, they all, they're all out, like, all the frames are being, like, ridden, I think, now at this yeah. point, and it's just gonna be really exciting to get more frames back out in, like, a version 2, instead who, of offering... Who used to make them? Uh, standard actually okay. standard used to make them and then to put that uh, as simply and professionally as possible their the businesses were in two going in two different directions and it wasn't profitable for him to make our stuff anymore that was literally the only reason why they no longer make it yeah I mean it's a tough gig to be frame to, frame and bar construction to, is, to make I mean essentially like it doesn't seem like it's low volume when you're placing the order because you're talking thousands of dollars yeah. to invest in making these frames to sell them. But that's a low volume. You know, oh, by, yeah. the time, you're talking, you're talking by the time 40, we set the fixture up and, yeah. and batch it and stuff and get all the tubing ordered oh, in it, and, it was and never it all your way. Like It was never a question that it was an overwhelming, like yeah. more work to do. It was never a question. And then, when that topic came up that it was kind of going to be like, uh, hey, we either have to do more from this end to this end or whatever else, we kind of were all like, well, we can't, we can't do that, you can't do that, let's just move on. And then for a while there, we, we sat wondering what we were going to do next. And we found another frame builder, mm -hmm. had that all set up, no, no names being said there, but had, had another frame builder set up, and then that individual had an op he got an opportunity to go take a, like, a full-time job somewhere else yeah. So it was like as soon as our hopes were ramped up, it was like, "Hey guys, sorry, I got like a big kid job. I got to go do this." And he went mm -hmm. and had a big kid job. Yeah. And now, now we finally are lucky enough to have found Dave, 
but yeah, throughout this whole process, poor dudes had like a mini stroke yeah. or something. Um, maybe you guys stressed him out with your weird angles. And yeah, stuff. that's what Carl. That's what it is. We gave Dave a stroke with uh, our bank to wall ride on our top tube. But uh, <laughs> I love making the jokes. It makes me smile because, dude, I'll tell you what. The first one of those frames we ever made, it was made from a stock Miraco BMX frame and an old, old, like, 1999 standard frame that, like, had cracked. Mm-hmm. And it was like he had just this part of it. We hacksawed it or sawzalled the thing apart, put the frame together how we wanted it, and packing taped it all together. And then spray painted the packing tape black so that we could look at something. So, like, the head tube angle wasn't right on it. The, everything wasn't right. So we packing taped the whole thing together. And then the next day, our buddy comes out with a welder. And he junkily tack welds and everything. All these tubes that we Frankenstein together to where Carl could, like, stand on the stand on the brace part in the driveway and, like, spin on the frame so he could see what angle it needed to be at. I remember this, we built this thing out of plastic and old mm-hmm. bike frames and then just sat down with Mike Danilo and Bob Mead and refined it. Refined all the geometry and all the angles and everything for the main riding part of the bike and then we were kind of like, okay, we like all those specs, now we're going to do this to the top tube and everybody was like, that's either going to work or it's not and you know, some people love it, some people think it's ridiculous but... At the end of the day, it's like my favorite thing in the world to have been a part of. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have anything to do with the design on the handlebars. But, like, we have two-piece and four-piece bars now. And the four-piece bars came out years after the second piece mm-hmm. with two-piece. So, I don't know. BMX and parts and everything are just an interesting... I Just doing bar ends, just like you just do pegs pretty much, that one thing is confusing enough as it is as opposed to trying to do a full-fledged bike company with stems, mm-hmm. bars, forks, frames. Like, we have all that stuff. Yeah. See, I would like to do, like I said earlier, talk, like, working with Mitch, I'm probably going to do some sort of sprocket. Dude, sprocket's the logical thing I for you to do I would like next. to do bar ends, too, but I've always kind of, like, teetered on it because you were doing bar ends, and I'm hey, like... dude, the way I look at it is... But I didn't think it was a big deal when you were out in Nebraska, for sure. It's like, we're like... We're not even talking about the same people. Yeah. But, no, it was still one of those things like, eh. Well, I'd love to link up with him and chat, because, I mean, the worst comes to worst, we figure out a way to do... Both, and then edge well, them differently. Well, not only that, but roll it into it just being like, remember what you said about people putting into Grindworks in the beginning mm-hmm. and being a part of it? Who knows? Maybe the bar end guy and Grindworks can just merge together and we can offer bar ends. Like, there's potential for everything. So, man. like... Yeah, that is a possibility for sure. I don't like to put limitations on anything. The other thing I've been trying to do a little bit more, and and talking about it on and off on here, but I've got a couple set up so far. We're all running separate web pages, like separate websites to sell our one or two niche items. So, like... If you've got an online store for your barns, and I've got an online store for my shirts and pegs, and then my buddy's got an online store just for his stickers, and then another it guy's almost... got an online store for his shirts, you're like, hold up, guys. Throw it all on my site. I'll take, like, a dollar from every sale or whatever just to help with my time and, and processing they, and on essentially this. it's drop-shipped from them. And then 
to the pegs. Every time someone looks at my pegs, they go, oh, that's a sick shirt. And, oh, I can get bar ends here, too. Or, oh, that's a cool sticker. Most or like, they came for the sticker, and they're like, oh, holy crap, that's a cool shirt. So, like, has, has that ever existed? it into, like, a distribution, basically. Has that ever existed outside? I mean, down to the finest details, it's just like any other distribution Thing, but it's like, for small but dudes it's niche like niche things and you could set them all up through there that like yeah you you call me or I get an email saying hey you had two pairs of bar ends purchased from this website then now it's on me over here to ship those things I've been handling the inventory too you keep it all you would keep it all in oh see that's a that's a totally different ball game yeah cuz then you don't have to do anything God, I never even thought about because like that. Because otherwise, you end up with ridiculous shipping costs. If we had to drop ship stuff from four different places... Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. Especially depending on where it was going. But, yeah, I mean, like, I'm only carrying enough inventory on any one thing to, like, make sense. Yeah. And I'd be like, hey, I need more, or I need to take it off site. Um, in theory, it works really good, but I haven't had enough people doing it at the moment to like really pro cross promote stuff well uh, i definitely like i think that's a very interesting project going forward in the future to where it could actually be helpful to other people mm -hmm. especially if you were able to get like another situation like the ice house building that you got to where you could actually keep stuff yeah. well even a house <laughs> oh yeah i guess in it your apartment's <laughs> so nice that i forget that we're like not in a house like it's just a really well put together apartment but I I mean, the way I kind of talked about it originally was we're essentially competing for sales. What, when it comes right down to it, if you got to go to one website versus another to buy something, like, the hassle alone is not worth it. Well, I had a problem with that with when I was here building my son's bike recently. It's like I wanted to just go into one thing and go, I want this part, this part, this part, and this part for the bike. But instead, I had to buy like two things from this guy, and then order the rest of them from this guy mm -hmm. because there's not, like, Dan. Have you been on Dan's Comp's website lately? Uh, no. Like I got on I, Dan, I every use single it because they they had their issues a, a year or so ago. Yeah. And from my understanding, they've not really recovered. Yeah, and and that's what the website. Every single product you look at on the website says ships in nine days or something like it'll be here this like like they're running it drop shippy somehow i don't know what they're doing they but... are because they can't afford to buy inventory right yeah now. that's just and they probably don't have the lines of credit so they have to give a credit card for every time they probably buy something oh. that's, um, that's, and that's all speculation i don't yeah, actually yeah, yeah. know this that whole thing has been for sure um all of this is allegedly yeah Every but, disclaimer for the, every word that's come out of our mouths. The reality is, most of the stuff I've bought, even, I mean, it's been like 10 years, really. I've ordered Dan's Comp for videos, and that's really about it. I haven't used that I, website. I use Albies, and I use Empire, almost exclusively. Yeah, I use, I use Albies pretty much exclusively, and that's, and that's not even to say, though, that I could do that same thing on Albies' website, because had I gone through... Mm -hmm. The website to do everything that I wanted to do, it wasn't, it wouldn't have been physically possible. That's not a dog on Albies at all, because I would much rather, should I can order anything from Albies 
like I just ordered my son's bike. It's always three cents cheaper. Yeah, it's three cents cheaper, and the sh it got here in exactly two days. Yeah. Because it's coming from just right up the road, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And I like it, you know. Support. I'm all about, you know, supporting shops and everything. You got to support shops. We don't have one around here. I mean, you got the wheel mill, if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, but I mean, sometimes it's not convenient. Yeah. I've got a shop on the corner. I'm yeah, sure I saw, saw that it. down there. Yeah, with a running store. I, but... I don't order anything from that. I've, they're they're too expensive. And well, and I worked at a shop you, for you years. Know, uh, how much should a tube cost? Oh god, I think now bike shops have gotten tubes up to eight ninety nine. Mm -hmm. Like eight ninety nine for an, <laughs> they, coming from the guy who just spent forty dollars on like plastic they, condoms to put inside they my wheel. Cost Two bucks. That's even on the high end. I remember when I worked at the shop, we were talking about cents to dollars yeah. cost to sale price. And, I mean, I can go buy a four-pack from Walmart for, what, 12 bucks, 10 yeah. bucks, something like that, of Bell Tubes. Yeah. And, realistically, they're better than the tubes I'm getting at at the bike shop. Yeah, that's, so, that's weird. Like, as much as I don't want to buy my stuff from Walmart, I am not paying $8 a tube. Hell no. Unless they're the thorn-proof. Heavy duty, oh, super heavy. God, ones. his bike has got to weigh so much. <laughs> thorn proof tubes, steel pegs. I don't have thorn proof tubes in. I have some in my car though. If you ever go ride Arizona, you need thorn proof tubes. Everything out in Arizona. No, I don't. Through. I have Primo walls. Oh, that's true. Yeah, nothing gets through those. You might as well just call them like Trojan horse. I don't know. I love seeing broken glass on the side of the road, and everyone's like, oh, glass. I'm like, I'll ride through it. I'm not scared. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, well, I got to take a leak, my friend. All right. Anyway, we can. Yeah, we'll, we'll pause again. Yeah. I can't wait to put this sweet music in twice. It puts like a pause scene in between each time. Yeah, I just go crop it to about two to three seconds and put some funny elevator music and then it's right back. <laughs> that's too good. Oh, that's like the longest I've had to pee in a long time. Yeah, you know, I don't usually take a break myself during these, but it's quite relieving. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that hot in this room until we walked out in the hallway. <laughs> Dude, it's like 15 or 20 degrees cooler out of this room. This room easily, is ridiculous right now. Easily 15 degrees cooler. Um, alright, now that we're we're nice and refreshed and yeah, got some water and ready, um I don't even remember what we were talking about, but that's cool. So I have a couple questions for you yeah, quick. Yeah. Um obviously we kinda of talked about the what of of the bar end guy. Yeah. But what is the why? You know, what what made you want to start doing something on your own versus I guess, like, it would have been just as easy to be like, hey, Carl, you should make a bar end. I think it came down to me and Carl sitting across from each other one night just joking around because he, at the time, was only making handlebars. And I was like, oh, dude, it would be super cool if I could, like, make it, like, grips. That's how it started. And then I looked into grips. And, like, you want to talk about how much aluminum machining costs for small uh, parts? Like, huh? I've looked into to, grips before. It, it's insane to how much it costs to make a mold. So we were like, well, I wonder if I could do, like, bar ends like Matt, like Matt Berenger. Like, honestly, that was the inspiration. And then I was at a jam one day and met Phil Wasson. 
And Phil used to make like the parts for Tree back in the mm-hmm. day and stuff like that. I met him and pitched it to him. And he's like, yeah, sure. He's like, let's try it. Let's do it. So he like made a prototype for me, sent me. I critiqued them, gave them changes, and then they came out like that. And honestly, at the end, I was really happy with them. But like the one thing I can honestly trace back other than trying to do something with Carl at the time was a long time ago. Um, I got lucky enough to meet the late Kevin Robinson at a sporting event in Columbus, Ohio. And back then, like, my family didn't have, like, any money or anything. And Kevin sent me to Woodward for a week. Like, it, like, hooked me up. Just the simplest sense in the word. Like, I got a straight-up hookup the first That's year I awesome. ever went. And he sent me to Woodward just because I was, like, some kid that was stoked on BMX. And, like, a lot of... I've learned a lot of things positivity-wise from that moment that have led me into, like, how I treat like kids and how I treat the sport of BMX as a whole now because like one person doing something random for me made it to where like if I have a used part I'd rather like help a kid out I'd rather Mm -hmm. spend 20 minutes at a skate park helping this kid who said how do you do a tire tap like that to me I'm like I don't need to be riding hard right now like this kid needs my help like that was one thing I was always thankful for growing up like in Columbus was I had dudes that never treated me like shit because I was younger. Mm-hmm. They never treated me weird because I was weird. Because don't get me wrong, I'm not. I was always a weird kid. Collected autographs. I asked a lot of questions. And lucky for me, I had guys growing up that were like, "Hey man, ask less questions." Or like they were just trying to like help me be not yeah. that annoying kid, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I like to take those opportunities to be like, "Dude, just chill." ride your bike don't worry about it help kids out and do that stuff in a positive way and that can not only what i've learned from carl and stuff but like kevin doing that for me a long time ago was like the one thing that set a lot of precedence for how i wanted to be but carl like really inspired me to actually be that way because i wasn't always a helpful person i would show up and wear headphones when i rode no no dogging on people that wear headphones but like no we did that in the doyle podcast what I didn't get to finish it yet. I oh. like, <laughs> that, that comes up. About wearing headphones? Yeah. Oh, I gotta finish it. But like, I personally, nowadays, I look at it like almost, especially if you're no, with no, your... No, with no your, let's, let's have the conversation. Like, again, if, you're with your, if you're with your homies and you're riding with people, take your, fuck, your freaking headphones out. I'm sorry. Don't wear headphones when you're riding with everybody because <laughs> it's... I've seen like people full on hit each other, like dudes that were friends riding at skate parks because the one friend had headphones on. I, see, like I, rock one maybe. I'm I'm okay with one, but no. The the discussion that we were having was more along the lines of like we're all riding together. There's already music playing. That that's the other thing too. And if you land something sick, and I'm like, that was awesome, and you roll up and go, what? Yeah, I can't like, stand it. Like. Never mind. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> repeat myself. Like, you're wear- why are you wearing headphones? Like, I can understand maybe outside, maybe wearing headphones, but if you're with your homies and you're riding together, just let everybody's, like, yo's and ha-ha-ha's and stuff be the soundtrack to your session. You don't need headphones in. Yeah, I, I've never been about it. I can't. I always so. rip them out. 
Because I like to do, like, I always used to get my headphone cable stuck in my handlebars or twist it up in my hoodie pocket or something. Oh, I remember you're like a perfect candidate for AirPods. Oh, my God. I remember, like, riding from my house down to the street spots and stuff when I was a kid to meet up with the people with a full-on... I know older guys will hear this and go, I remember doing it with a boombox on my shoulder, like, but with a full-on CD player in my jean pocket, like, with the... It's in there perfectly, so the headphone cable comes right out of the pocket. We did that for a little while when I was younger, and then we went back to our Walkmans. Because they didn't skip. Yep. Tapes didn't skip. <laughs> I remember every time I'd bunny hop over like a curb or something on the way to the spot, it would be like... And the music would stop, and then it would go... And start back up again. It was horrible. When MP3 players came out, it was like the greatest thing in the world. I had a 256 megabit... like stupid little mp3 mm -hmm. player that held 32 songs i think is what it was at the end of the whole thing all it needed and it was perfect it was like one slayer song two tupac songs and a bunch of old punk and that was pretty much all i listened to but yeah headphones man leave them out especially if there's music playing at the skate park you're already at leave them out public service announcement nobody likes them just make a comment for them to change the music yeah, or, or just, just find motivation. It yeah, it's not all that bad. But like, I guess if you're flowing trails through the woods and you want to wear your iPad or your iPod because you're riding by yourself through the woods, then that's one thing. But I don't know. Something about sessioning with friends and wearing headphones. Even riding trails, if you really want to get down to it, like, sure, you're kind of in your zone. But if someone goes down three or four jumps in front That's of you, true. That's true. you want to know yeah. when people are like, whoa, 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 yeah. stop, stop, exactly. stop. Exactly. I, I see no positive in wearing headphones. Like, I don't wear them at the gym when you're working. Even people at the gym that wear them would drive me nuts. Like, when I used to go to the gym. <laughs> stop, bro. Yeah. And you're like, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, are you, uh, are you moving? Are, are you almost done? And they put them back in right as you go to respond. And they'd be like, huh, wait, what? What'd you say? I don't know. I'm not a big headphone. Uh, all right. I think I might have done my wonderful tangent thing. You asked me the bar end guy thing. Okay, go back to the Kevin. I mean, story. we we can hate on headphones. No, no, I that's cool. Care. Yeah, yeah. But, and I remember that week I was at Woodward. Like Kevin came to Woodward that day to like ride vert with people, and I was walking my bike up the hill talking to him, and he looked at me and he's like, "Why do you not have a bar end?" Like, I didn't have a bar end in the one side of my bars. And he was like, hold on. He turned around and walked back to his car and came back with these. They're the most elaborate, most beautiful bar ends I've ever seen. Their Hoffman used to make them back in the day, and the whole wedge system was three pieces. With the O-ring around it to hold it all together? No, 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 no. No, no not like how oh, Shadow was, did it. That one was like DK, I think, did yeah, that D too. Shadow did the one with the rubber band and the metal plates. They had the one that compressed on itself. This one, it wasn't a cylinder. It was like a cylinder that somebody had cut the sides flat on, so it looked like a keyway almost, where it was only round on the edges. But the wedge system had three wedges in it, to where when you tighten the bolt, it was almost an unlimited amount of expansion. It would go three times the size of a normal set of handlebars if you wanted it to. But he gave them to me, and he goes, Hoffman only actually ended up making these in like black. So this, like the one he gave me was colored green. And nobody, like the green ones didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So 
ever since then, I, I kept them in like a keepsake box because it was just like goo. Like I have uh, Axel Jurgens. I don't know if anybody knows who that is, but like he used to ride for Mac Mule a long time ago mm -hmm. back in the day. I have one of his tires, his old Primo wall tires. No, it's a V Monster tire. It's a blue. Oh, that one's not as good. No, it's a blue V Monster tire. I have it hanging on the wall in my man cave. Like, I like to collect old stuff. Like, I just have all. I always have. And then last, what was it? Two years ago, when Kevin passed away, it was like mm -hmm. a whole other. I was like, oh, I gotta keep a hold of these things now because. Yeah. It's like something nobody can ever take away from me. It was really important to me. I don't know. I'm a really sentimental person when it comes to BMX stuff, but that's pretty much it. I don't collect photos of. I don't know why. I'm I'm not like a collector at all, which is, I actually thought it was funny that I wanted the metal frame, the Jimmy Levan one. I don't know. I think that's I a like, little, You've been riding long enough. I guess I, co I collect videos, though. See, I had all of my videos stolen out of my old... I had an old Chevy Lumina that I had all my DVDs and all my VHS tapes in the back of, and somebody stole them all out of my car. And I've ever since then have not unfortunately bought any other tangible media other than I think I bought I think I bought Daily Grinds video when they came out with it mm -hmm. and then that was it I mean I haven't bought really any tangible media in a long time and you know I'm fully supportive of it but yeah it's like I don't even have a VCR play to play old VHS tapes you know like Square One's Wide Awake Nightmare is like one of my favorite videos of all time. Like, I haven't seen that video in years. I yeah. guess a lot of them are online now, but... Yeah, but at what quality? Yeah, right? it's like grainy or the music's not the same because... I think I saw a clip of like Mike yeah, and YouTube can screw off. When it, when, it, <laughs> when it comes to the copyright stuff, man. Like, my entire Vimeo page got shut down because of like me having copyrighted music on it. Vimeo is still better about it than YouTube is, but that's see you're the exact opposite of everybody else I've talked to. Like people are saying now, like YouTube's gotten more laxed about it because well, they have a lot of rights to stuff, or like they'll just throw an ad over your crap. Yeah, like they unmonetize you or something, and it makes it work. Like your song will still play on the thing, but you're you have no potential for monetization anymore. I don't know how it works. Like shout anybody that knows how YouTube works, like. I feel like I'm getting too old for that kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I just don't even care. Like, I don't like YouTube. I just, I don't know. Something about videos nowadays, like... But I'm also, I'm the tangible media guy. You See, know? I would rather sit down and hit play on, like, a 30-minute long BMX movie, like a video. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but have you ever seen, uh, there's a guy from Ohio. His name was Nick Kautz. He used to own or run like Love Cinema. I don't know if you ever heard of Love Cinema. There's a video online. I showed it. I show it to everybody. Everybody that hangs out at my house or anything like the first video I pull up is Love Cinema. Here goes nothing, and it's all just Ohio dudes. Like there's clips that I think the video took them like eight years to make. Mm -hmm. So some of the clips have thirty six tooth sprockets, and then other ones have small sprockets. Like, yeah, but. The whole thing is so well put together, and the soundtrack's amazing on it, and the writing in it is phenomenal, but it never went anywhere. Like, no, hardly anybody's ever seen the video. Yeah. But if anybody gets a chance to watch it, Love Cinema's Here Goes Nothing. It's, it's one of my favorite videos of all time. Especially because I grew up with all the dudes that were in it. Like, if I was better at what I do, I would put the link 
and share it with this, but I probably won't. Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, just Google it. It'll I'll write it down, and then I still won't do it. How's that? Hey, the effort's all that matters, right? Is it L-O-V-E-S or L-U-V-S? L-O-V-E and then cinema. Like C-I-N-E-M-A or whatever. But that's always been, you know, if we're talking about what Cody Dixon's interested in, then... Nothing. That's yeah, really well. That's a good video that I'm into. But, yeah, other than that, I mean, the why of Barn guy was more or less one of those why not kind of things. Like, if I found somebody that was willing to do it, I had the money to make them, and people yeah. were willing to buy them, why not do it? Because it was fun. <coughs> there's a couple times I went on, like, trips to contests or trips to other things, and I sold enough... I sold enough pairs of bar ends while I was there to even strangers or anybody else that it paid for, you know, like my gas or when I went to the St. Louis trip, yeah. it, I sold enough pairs that it covered my hotel. And it was like that alone made the trip completely worth it, regardless of yeah. making money. It just put right back into the BMX experience for me. And that's, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have taken it slightly more seriously and um, tried to actually... I mean... I mean, you have a product you had to sink quite a bit of money into. So. To some degree, but you have the advantage of a product that everyone can use. As long as it fit everybody's handlebars, yeah, I see well, what you're saying. Yeah, but you don't know that until you've already bought them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, Whereas, when you start looking at pegs... Our first ones were extremely heavy on purpose. Yeah. So we were making a product that no one else was filling the void for. Yeah, it was completely bucking the norm of what was going and on. And we knew that. So it was like, we're going to make these, and we are not going to sell a bunch. <laughs> Flat out. Yeah. So then that's where the, the streetlights came in was, okay, we've got you on this end. Now we're going to get you on this end, so we can f we can meet your needs, whether you want the peg that's going to last you forever, or the peg that's normal, but it's still better. better than what's normal, what else better. is out there. Yeah. And These things are fascinating. Then, beyond that, um, you know, pegless kids feel like, well you're not a company for us. And it's like, that's not true. Like, we're just because our name is Grindworks and we make pegs doesn't mean we're not down with dudes that do cool stuff on their bikes but in other manners. BMX in general. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the thing. No label needs to be put on anything. Like, like you, you want to wear a Grindworks shirt and run the racetrack and have a sticker on your number plate? Go for it. Yes, that, I agree. Um, you you build the hype, and we'll make something for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not going to throw stuff into the racing world when there's only 13 motos at a track, though. Yeah. There There is no racing anymore. I haven't been to a racetrack in so long. I remember, like, back in the day. 30, 40 30, motos. Yeah. All day long, from the start to, start yeah. to the finish, there's motos, but. No, I mean, you're lucky to see, like, 13 motos, and they're not full. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but anyway, like, so we got pegless kids, or dudes, yeah. or girls, 
Shout out to the girls that are riding bikes. Yeah. Um, and you've got plastic peg people. So, like, we, if you wanted to just say they're all equal, that metal pegs, plastic pegs, and pegless were all even, which is probably not true. It might actually be closer than you think, though. You mean I would, BMX I would say whole? probably more people are riding pegless than, than pegs. But anyway, we're not meeting the needs. That's a lofty opinion. Um, you think more people might be brakeless than have pegs? Pegless than have pegs. That's what I mean, pegless. You got a a section of street riders that don't run pegs. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about it. I, you got I'm not trails and you got racing. Yeah, I guess you're definitely not wrong. Pegs are probably used less than they and, are used. I mean, if whether you want to really truly call it BMX or not, yeah, just the kids that are jumping boards on their sidewalks probably don't have pegs on their bikes. That's true. All right, yeah, I my mind has come full circle on your statement. So, uh, and I'm you know my generalization is that it's even, right? And it's probably not true. Metal pegs is probably the smallest of those three divisions. I, yeah, I'd probably say that nowadays. Current, for sure. Yeah. So. Our market is really small. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, if I was able to produce bar universal ends, everyone style, can make. Yeah. Everyone can use your bar ends. Yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. Mine wasn't niche at all. Mine wasn't so, different. That's where I. That's why I always lean towards that. Sprockets are going to be one of those things that if you make a full guard one, people don't want it. If you don't make a full guard one, they're going to ask why it wasn't full guard. Well, and we have. If you make twenty five, they're going to want twenty six tooth, and you're like. That was what we ran into with this. We made those sprockets with nowhere, and we made them all 28 tooth, 19 millimeter spline drive. Yeah, and, and you then right up there. And then right after we came out with them, we were like, why in the hell did we do that? Because now it's like, I mean, I don't know hardly anybody nowadays that's running a 19 spline drive, like 48 spline cranks nowadays, because there's so many other companies coming out with 22 millimeter cranks and. Everything like that, yeah. I, I don't want to. I hate saying that we, you know, screwed the pooch on something like that. <coughs> well, but it certainly was a missed opportunity to make it a more. You know, I think we were trying to not go completely universal on the whole thing, like trying yeah. not to do that. But those are like those live and learn type things that you figure out. You're like, eh, maybe, you know, next time if we do this, maybe make it smooth <laughs> bore with the 22 mil bore with a 19 mil adapter. Yeah, wouldn't some, have been the some, worst thing in the world. Something, something different because we anybody needs a 19 millimeter spline drive sprocket, hit me up. I'll uh, 28 tooth only. 28 tooth only. It's a really cool looking sprocket though. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but yeah, see that. That's where the niche thing kind of get got us with the sprockets, but our, like our stems that we just came out with are gorgeous. It's like the number one part that have you seen them? Like the top plate looks like chain links, yes, and holds them together. The people I, I don't remember who made those for us, but some guy in uh, California I think made those, but they came out unbelievable. Like it's mm -hmm. my favorite stem I've ever seen on a bike before, second to like yeah. It goes like that one, and then probably like the Primo casket stem from way back in the day, because it was just a hefty, obnoxiously overbuilt clamping device that so many people ran back in the day. Dude, there were some awesome stems back in the day. Uh, now we're doing that, like, remember how things were? Oh, I know. We've we come full circle in this podcast well, to talking about how things used to be. So, if you want to talk about an awesome stem, though, 
Odyssey chock full of nuts. Is that the one that had the hinge? Nope. Odyssey chock full of nuts was the one that wasn't tapped at all. It had cavities to drop nuts in. So you couldn't strip it. Oh, that's right. It had the from the backside like a seat post clamp. Everything bolted together like that. Why would that be better though? In the sense Because you like... can't strip it. It was amazing. It just bolted together. You had steel threads. That's true. It, I, it was so heavy. There's a like I used to love that that Odyssey Elementary stem back in the day. Because I was never a hard rider, so I never had like the slipping problems other people did with or it. The creaking problem. Oh, I was, yeah, I, I did have the creaking problems. I remember having to take it apart and like put triflow on the triangles to try to get it from creaking. But there's an old video from a long time ago where uh, Haro had this contest where they were trying to find like their next pro rider, and they all went down to Greenville, North Carolina, and like eight people had to ride the unit for like a week. And I think Marcus Tooker ended up getting the place on the Haro team, but Matt Sparks out of Michigan was doing all these crazy hand plant variations at the and time. And probably cross-footed stuff. Yeah, like Matt Sparks was doing some of the stuff that like other people still probably haven't even done. And he tried to downside hand plant the vert wall at the vert wall at the unit and ended up like hitting it with his hand and popping himself out like just a straight free fall from the top of this thing to the ground. And he landed so hard that he tore that elementary stem apart. Like ripped it open, broke it off the stem, and tore it apart. And I've never seen anything like that before. But just talking about weird technology, like somewhat failing, it's like... that's. I mean, it's an awesome design. It's just not a robust design. Yeah, one one single point of pressure, it was never enough to like make it work the right way. You, know? you crushed everything, or it didn't work at all. Yeah, you had like the oval. Your handlebars were ovalized, and when you tried to take them off, you would like, "Why won't this move?" And then when you took it off, you realized your handlebar was <laughs> physically not round anymore. But yeah, it's awesome that way though. <laughs> and then everything still creaked. You're like, "What the heck is going on with this build?" Yeah, I see. I'm one of those weird dudes that like my bike has to sound like a basketball, even with brake cables. On. Not me. Mine can be clanky. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I can't. I want to ride like street with you one day just to see how much of a Nancy Cinderella boy I am about like breaking stuff. Like I'm not hard on my. But you go up things and you're just like, <laughs> you grind down them. And I've never been able to do that. I don't know why. If I get something new, I just scratch it up right to begin with. It is a good way of never being upset if something gets scratched. That's what I'm saying. Like, just cr- Except my pegs. My <laughs> pegs can't get scratched. <laughs> I just bought these new handlebars, slides them across the parking lot. It's like, now I don't care if I scratch them. Perfect. <laughs> Works out for everybody. Thank God. It would ruin you to see my frames when they... So as soon as I get them, they're all ground off so that you can weld on them. Oh, and the, for the, then I have to repaint yeah. them. How much... Like, he added... You never get that caught on anything... Like, the little shark fin hanging down, it's just perfect. It never catches. Never catches. Man, I, gotta have, I have to show that stuff to my buddy Sam out in Nebraska. He would probably be fascinated by it. He's a, he's, a, he's a welder fabricator that wants to do stuff like that. I think he would... Him and Derek need to talk. I'm surprised no one has investment cast those into dropouts and just done on production. See, but, but at the same time, then they wouldn't be able to sell... Hub guards left and right when they break. Yeah, that's another... Uh, the best example I have for something like that that I tell people is light bulbs. 
Like, there's no reason why a light bulb should ever burn out. You should be able to just put a steady current through the filament and leave it on. No problem. Like, the first light, light bulb that Edison made is still on in his house in Florida. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an industry designed to fail so that you have to buy another one and keep buying light bulbs. Mm-hmm. I've never understood that concept. Like, I would rather spend 40 bucks on a light bulb that had a lifetime guarantee than to spend two ninety nine a hundred times through my life. Yep. But that's not how consumer stuff works, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be profitable. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I'm trying to think if I had another barring guy question. Because... That was pretty much, I mean, it was a little bit long, but it was pretty much kind of the answer I expected that it was. It was completely tied. giving back type thing. Yeah, it know, was completely tied. To do something. Yeah. But. It was just doing something in it that wasn't making money. It was just like, you know, 40 bucks here to go to this little jam to mm-hmm. buy food for the weekend. Like, I, I just reinvested it back into the VMX thing and, like, I've, I've always been one of those dudes that buys stuff and, you know, keeps it for a while and then s- sells it to somebody cheap. Mm-hmm. And, like, I got to a point where I was just, we were just hooking up kids with stuff. And, like, every year at Christmas, out at Carl's house, we give a new kid, like, a bike. We try to come together and put parts together for a bike and give a kid a bike. And the kid that we did, did that for two Christmases ago is now, like, a shredder. I mean, straight up, we got some of the best bunny hop 360s I've ever seen. Shout out Noah Pogemeyer, little dude from, like, straight up non-existent town in the United States. He's from a town that's so tiny that, like, people have never even heard of it before. You can, like, yell to the mayor up the hill from where you're on, <laughs> on your front porch and, like, order food from across the street. Like, that's how small the town is. And uh, the kid's a shredder, and he's really good at riding a bike, but that's, like... That's the difference is like I think the positivity and the changes that need to be affected, it's not saying that BMX as a whole is bad or anything about BMX is wrong one way or another. It's just individuals need to make individual steps forward to make their scenes better and make things better for kids and everything like that. And that's where to come full circle on you saying earlier about how you don't know how anybody could hate that. Like anybody who's willing to I, do I, I kind of actually re, like retract that statement. And, and I'll tell you why in a second. Okay. Uh, I was going to let you finish your comment. Well, what I was saying was like, I, I'm a firm believer that the, like, the quickest way to make change is to help your neighbor. So in BMX, like your neighbor is that kid that comes to the skate park, the, mm-hmm. the, the next person. So as long as you're making effort in one person's life and you're that one person that changed something for one person, I think that could forever be like what, like what I was saying with Kevin, like he set me up to have a better mentality about how, if you have more giving it away is not expected of you. It should never be expected of somebody with more, but it's your responsibility as somebody with more to give back to what you love and believe in. Like, I'm not talking about out in the real world with millionaires giving money to poor people. No, no, no. But, but if you, like, no one expects you to go broke helping other people. Yeah. But, like, if you can spare a little bit, you should. Yeah. Um, 
And sometimes you can't, and that's okay. And you shouldn't be bullied into sharing stuff. But like, so why why do you take back your previous okay. statement that you can see that it might? Uh, so, because it's not relatable. In the same way that you're talking about a little town that no one's ever heard of, there's a kid that can shred versus the state of California and yeah. the current BMX industry and Austin, Texas and the current BMX industry. Yeah. If you have it all around you, someone setting that up to do it as what appears as a private Thing, even though it's for everyone else yeah and doing it on your own property and doing all this stuff is weird it is very weird and I but think... it's it's not weird it's just that it's not relatable so in that sense i can see how people could be so detached from reality living in these high profile areas with parks on every single corner of their city well, and, and people I think, riding all around them and I, that it, they can't relate to it. I think that's that can be said on both sides of the coin, though. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not relatable, while it's also something that might be so wanted by other places that it's not hatred it, in not the term jealousy of something existing, mm-hmm. but like, oh my gosh, what I would give to have that here, or something like, seeing it on either side. Either you're desensitized to it, and it's not relatable, like what you're seeing, or some people are seeing it from a distance and wishing they could have it, and it's not obtainable in other areas. Or that little kid in that town, BMX is not a thing that they can have. Yes. Because all they see, if they look it up on YouTube, it's all city, 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 LA, 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 San Diego, whatever. Austin, Texas. Well, sorry your little podunk town doesn't have 85 skate parks and 100,000 different street spots and ditches you can go to every day. But there's people out there making the effort so that you can have something. Yeah, and I think... And that's relatable. The whole thing with him and what's out there and what's going on, it's always been for BMX as a whole. But the main focus is Nebraska. I mean, those kids freeze their ass off in the wintertime. They work all summertime in cornfields and doing other stuff out there like that. There's not much to do out there, even if it was 70 degrees and sunny out. Like, drugs drugs, drugs come quickly into life in the wintertime, especially. Drugs and have kids early. Yeah, like that stuff happens a lot out there for people like in smaller places like that. Like, I personally know of at least three people that know where, as a group of people helping the community, right? Mm-hmm. That I know at least three kids whose lives have completely made 180s or, you know, changed, you know, for lack of BMX puns there, making a 180. But, like, I have a guy that I know, he used to steal things. Like, he used to steal from people. And now the dude, like, got himself... He has two kids and a loving wife and a house now, and he's working his ass off. Like, nowhere has affected change in more than just BMX. And I think that's where what you said about it not being relatable is, like, it got to be... I've never even thought about that, so I hope Carl makes it this far into the interview to hear this part. But, like, that could be a huge reason as to why that quote-unquote hatred or whatever else has, has shown its face, like we talked about previously is because 
I don't get it. It doesn't make any freaking sense. Like, how is this happening, or who is doing this, or why are you doing what? Like, it's in Nebraska. Yeah, I could totally see that being a reason for people to not be hateful, but be so confused that they don't know how to use their words correctly. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I appreciate that perspective. I never looked at it that way. Well, and, I mean, it was coming up as you were talking through yeah. that. I'm like, you know what? I don't agree with that anymore yeah. because I do see how people can hate it. Yeah. I don't agree with it, and I think it's wrong in the way they're approaching it. But, yeah, I get it, kind of. Um, yeah, I never even thought about the idea that it, it could seriously just be so weird to people that they can't even try to begin to like try to understand it or why is it they, happening they, they've never dealt with the fact that there's nothing to ride nowhere to ride <laughs> <laughs> oh that was good Way to sneak that <laughs> i got there. you yeah, hey. <laughs> but yeah dude i don't know like i'm just right now I'd like to, to kind of wrap up everything about nowhere like they've we've raised like almost seventy thousand dollars there is a physical building up with a concrete floor with a roof, with walls, and in the next two weeks, the whole th- the right? whole thing is going to be completely closed cell spray foamed, so that in the winter time, like you hardly even have to like really heat it. I mean, there's going to be a furnace inside of it to heat the building up, but it started out as like a forty by fifty building, and then like the local racetrack came out and they were like, "Hey, man, we should just add on to the building because we had these roof trusses that stuck out." So on one side of the building, we just built the roof all the way down and made almost a lean-to, but it closed it in. So there's going to be a full-fledged, like, L-shaped pump track outside of the actual skate park foam pit area. And there's an upstairs for, like, movable... I I was going to say, did he do anything for, like, an indoor track? That's essentially what's going to be on the outside of the building, but still inside of it. It's going to be, like, a wooden track inside like yeah. with a hip and everything for dudes to jump but then upstairs like above the rolling he did a really similar thing to like your guys's ice house to where it's just it's a 20 foot by 10 foot room that's just going to have like a bank at one end and a grind ledge Super in the middle tight quarters yeah that you can move around and stuff so like everybody even the street riders are going to be able to come in there and do their jib stuff mm-hmm. on the ledges and the tight quarters and stuff like that or you turn yourself around you go down this beautiful roll-in and it's a full-fledged like foam pit with a box and a spine and a vert wall and a resi and a, it's going to be all the stuff the kids need to learn how to ride bmx more efficiently mm-hmm. like and that's just at the end of the day that's all it's for yeah it's not for any one person to get any better it's not for carl's kids because I mean, God, they ride, but they don't take it as seriously as he does sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's They're not for anybody but BMX. Like, he just straight up wants to cut the ribbon on that thing and have people in town, like, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. If you're going to Colorado, if you're driving across country, you're going somewhere, make that a place you go. And check it out, because you will not regret it. I mean, his wife is a chef that, like, makes amazing food. The... Hospitality out there is second to none. I mean, I'm bummed that's so far away because you may or may not ever really get to go out there. That's a uh, that's a journey, my friend. That's when see I was out that way. I had my bike too. 
We drove from here to Casper, Wyoming. Yeah, I mean, you would have had to kind of make make a jaunt around the corner, but yeah, you not, could have easily gone terrible. there. Yeah, you could have easily um, gone there. I mean, I passed practically right by it coming out 80. Yeah, it's right off, it's 35 minutes off the Interstate 80, so. So, I mean, we drove it straight through to, to Wyoming in our F550. Big loud pickup truck. Stiff. It was flatbedded. Yeah, because yeah, it needs weight on the back for it to ride right. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we, I couldn't imagine, man. We never stopped for food or anything. At the same time, you know how those uh, diesels have the fuel filter in them? And yeah. They, like, it has to burn off. Yeah. No. So, so we had a hole in our exhaust, and we had a bad thermostat, so it couldn't do the burn-off process. Dude. It requires both compression yeah. and a thermostat, a working thermostat. So it was just blowing black out of the back the whole time? No, we burned fuel the whole time. We just continuously ran the drip oh. process. So we ran out of gas so many times that we we stopped and wasted so much fuel. Took it to a shop out there, and they manually burned it out. And they're yeah. like, you're going to have to do this again, like, you, you can't drive this truck back to yeah. Pittsburgh. So we ended up having to fly back. And I had to ship my bike back. Like, oh my on the, I put it on a plane. Yeah. But I had my toolbox and everything in the trailer. All my tools for riding and everything. So that had to get shipped back on a pallet. From work and everything. It was a rough situation. <laughs> I didn't have my toolbox for like two weeks. Yeah. And we flew back, but while I was out there, like I couldn't drive the truck back to Nebraska on a weekend or anything. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because it was a pot Well, if you're garbage, ever out there again, man, so. you should definitely try and get there for sure. Anybody, I'd love to. Anybody that's out that way, definitely try to go sometime. I like that you're inviting me to Carl's house and everyone else. Yeah, anybody show up. I know it doesn't you really camp matter. On the, it's you, a pretty open invite, yeah, it you sounds can, like. You can camp on the driveway, and if you're willing to do work, he'll probably feed you. <laughs> that's kind of how it goes out there like if you're willing to come out and make his life a little bit easier because the dude's like always doing stuff for other people it's insane um I guess the only other thing you had asked and I deflected the question earlier was about the ice house oh yeah so just how did that come about like I've personally always wanted to do something yeah but even before that like I just wanted to create some cool stuff because I was helping out a lot up at HCS. Yeah. And, you know, generally like if we wanted to build something cool we were like, can we build something cool? And he's yeah. like, heck yeah. Go for up it. At, up at HCS? Yeah. Like, <laughs> why are you asking? If you've got... <laughs> just just do, do it. it. Yeah, if you got the stuff, make it happen. Yeah. So, that mentality was always like really cool. And then... He's got a shop motto that is always offensive to people, <laughs> and it is until you understand, like, when you, he's never explicitly said what it means, but I know what it means to me, and yeah. that's, like, good enough. The shop motto is kill yourself. Okay. And uh, you can see how that gets taken the yeah, wrong way a lot. lot. But my impression of that motto is, based on his work ethic 
and the work ethic I've seen and like you see a ton of people day in day out talk about how much they want something how you know oh man it'd be awesome if I could have this but I don't want to kill myself over it yeah because it's not saying so it's, it's like, not a violent well, thing it's saying put in so much effort yeah. that you feel like you might you know yeah. work yourself to death yeah. or or like, die trying like to get if, what you want if you want it you're gonna have to work for it yeah or, no one's gonna hand you something you don't you're not owed anything by by anyone else you know just it, it is what it is you know yeah. like you can't Expect people to hand you stuff. If you want it, put in work. Yeah. And maybe you will. So that was what motivated you to get so, start stuff with the ice house. Um, was just finally you were like, I, I wanted so to do this. And I just wanted to do, to do something, yeah. and I've always kind of just kept an eye open for like a space that was cheap enough to rent to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. But even prior to that, I had approached the wheel mill a bunch of times. About like, look at you got all this empty space around. You've got these alleyways, the empty space under ramps. You've got that whole upstairs area that I get that it's your Strider room. Yeah. But let me use that space. I will buy all the wood. I will do all the work. Yeah. I don't want anything for it. I don't even want to ride it for free. You just wanted a spot. I to just do wanted that, to build some cool stuff that you guys don't have. Yeah. And I was repeatedly told no. And eventually was told, um, you can give us some money for some stuff and we'll put your name on what we build with it. And I was like, I don't want a Grindworks roller. Yeah. Not my deal. I said, you know, I'll, I'll find a place and I'll do it myself. So I did. Um... We had looked at a spot a year and a year or so prior to when we actually did it, and it was way bigger. Rent was about the same. The location was kind of crappy. And then just timing-wise, we're like, you know what? I don't think it makes sense to do it right now. So we held off. I kept kind of, just kept my eye on Craigslist. Then I found it was just like through the internet. Yeah. Just found a guy renting out like a garage. Yeah, yeah, warehouse space. And he didn't care what you did to the inside of it? Right, so that's the other key component of, yeah. like, what you got to pitch, like, what you're doing and then be okay with it. It's not like so, you were doing anything destructive to that place. Like, you built, or did you? A little bit. you got to <laughs> figure the whole place was drywalled. Oh, it was? on the So even if you just screwed something to the wall, you were essentially damaging the drywall? Now, it wasn't in good shape. The ceiling was falling in a little bit. Like, I did a lot of work to the building. Okay. It was full of shelves, like just crappy wooden shelves. Hmm. But so many shelves that I didn't have to buy two by fours. You just chopped those shelves all up. So, uh, most of them were eight feet. <laughs> they were full size. Yeah. Other than the, the like depth. Yeah. And I was able to do a lot with those too. But I think. In total, I might have bought 12 2x4s for that park. Okay. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how long did you guys get to have it for? Almost a year? So we leased it for a year and a half because we leased it in like October or something. 
We're like, there's no way. We don't want to be coming up on releasing this place in October. Yeah. Of course we're going to want to renew it. Yeah. But we're like, can we do a year and a half, you know? To get you through that To get us winter. to April. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we ended up doing. It was a year and a half lease. That's all we ever intended it to be. Um, never was meant to make any money. You know, like, so we what did, did you... donation only. What did you guys have into it every month? Like, what were you guys, like, paying? So, it was split between myself and Tyler. Okay. We didn't want a bunch of people in there. Well, because then people think, like, well, it's oh. It's liability on well, the lease. Well, because you can't put 30 people's names on the lease. It, it was just you and Tyler's name. So, it's mm-hmm. not like, if you brought in a bunch of other people, they would want to ride it when you weren't there and everything else that, like that. And we also, like, it was our private spot, you yeah. know? like It wasn't intended as, to... It was a little bit for everyone, but it was primarily, I mean, selfish, whatever. It was our spot. I mean, you. I think everybody's so, entitled to having a private so, spot. If you're willing to pay for it, you can have it, right? Yeah. So we had our spot, and we were like, you know what would really be a bummer? If you show up to your own spot and it's crowded. <laughs> because so-and-so brought so-and-so and they brought their friend yeah. and you didn't know because they have a key too and you're like yeah no so how much were you into it each month it was 650 a month that Six- included everything like uh electric water or whatever was there a bathroom in the yes. place oh there was a bathroom wow 650 a month's not bad especially between two people you gotta think like especially if you could acquire the materials to do that on your own mm-hmm. and Shoot, yeah, I mean, I think 650 is pretty reasonable. I mean, we spent a lot of money on plywood. But that's coming from a 30-year-old dude with a full-time job and another 30-year-old guy with a full-time job. I mean, well, and it's, if anybody... It's really, it's 325 a yeah. month, you know? But even for some kids, like, that might not even be logical and for them to try to ins- get... You know, instead of chasing it, like, we weren't trying to split rent every month. It was, I paid one month, he paid the next. Oops. Hmm. Way easier than being like, hey, yeah, you got that more, Yeah, it seems way more logical. It's just like you're January, March, May, and June, and I'm yeah. whatever else. So it worked out pretty good for us in the long run. Just most of those ramps are still around. Uh, Where are they at? Over by well, Again, I tried to give them to the wheel mail after, oh. and it just never worked out time-wise, and I don't think they wanted a lot of it. Huh. So... Uh, yeah, different people took different stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Some, some people bought different stuff, you know, if they had something in mind that they wanted. Yeah. But then as things got down to the wire, it's like, okay, I need to be out of this space. Please, just come take it. Yeah. Please. Or it's getting burned, and no one wants to burn this stuff. Burning plywood is the most painful thing in the world for a guy that likes building ramps. Like myself. Just watching yeah. plywood burn is like, ah. But, yeah, I mean, it, year and a half, it was all really good, good times. There were so many days that we just, like, we posted stuff on Instagram all the time, like, hey, we're going to be open. Hey, yeah, I've never seen it. Every damn time but, I was like. But what you didn't see was, like, the other three days that week that we were there just having a good session or that we went there and just played darts for three hours and never even took our bikes out of the car or... Basically, like having, wax or have, did, having an adult clubhouse. Yeah, did other projects. Our last lock-in, we played 
Dave Mira Freestyle BMX 2 or Matt Hoffman 2. I think both at yeah. different points on a PS2 that that our buddy uh, Zach brought. And we played that more than we actually rode. That's wild. I wish I had. Yeah, any of the Youngstown dudes, if you're listening, let's find a spot and make another ice house. Let's do it. I mean, you guys have Wedgwood. It's just... Yeah. Whether I'm very, I'm very happy. I'm very like thankful for having a local indoor skate park in my community. <laughs> I get hurt every time I go there. I don't know why. I fall so hard every time I go. It's I dark. <laughs> really, I don't dark. know what it is, but that place has been around for so long now. It's been five other skate parks mm-hmm. in the past. Like it was half pipe Mike's at one point in time, and it was Gravity House and Wedgwood. And Wedgwood ramps. I don't. I mean, it's changed a whole bunch. And not having it would be worse. That's definitely one of them things. Like, yeah, I would take it over not having it. But something about the play, I always fall. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I run those folding tires and the floors are always dusty in there, or what the hell it is. But I've slipped and fallen in there every time. I don't have good eyesight, and it's too dark for me sometimes. And I don't I don't wear my glasses, so it's my own fault that I can't see. Oh, you don't have like glasses. riding glasses. I do, like Montana Ricky style, like to where they look like sunglasses and yeah. you have a strap around. So, here. so I hate the the like lower rim on them blocks my like spot where I like to see to pull up. So it's like I can't time anything when I've got them on, and it's like if I just wore them, I could get used to it. I could ride in these because they're they're like childproof glasses. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like I've super that, rubbery. The uh, so they wouldn't break basically. That's like the one the... thing I have still good. Like my eyesight is the only thing I have. My hearing is going already. It's funny to me. Like I can't hear crap out of my left ear half the time, but my eyesight perfect. Twenty twenty all all day long. That's awesome. Yeah, and but I got crooked teeth. That's like. Eh. Take the good with the bad, everything, you know. <laughs> I got a short tooth. Short the, tooth? Yeah, they had a. I had a filling on it, and it like kind of had to get ground down. <laughs> this one. Yeah. It is. There's it's a big it's short. That's why I got the camera there. <laughs> it's like a lightning McQueen. Ka-chow. <laughs> God, how how do you know I have kids? I just referenced a Pixar movie in a BMX podcast. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, it's. It's a lifestyle podcast, bro. <laughs> on that note, it's, I gotta it's a loosely based on BMX. <laughs> loosely based on BMX. There's no topics. We don't script anything here at Grindworks. I mean, if you wanted to talk about potato chips and shoes for four hours, Dude, we could do hey, it. Unless you're talking about kettle chips, it ain't no conversation. I don't, like I don't do kettle chips. I like kettle, salt, and vinegar, so it's like they... Rub your mouth raw. No, I, by the time I just got to be careful with any of the like fried stuff, like because I'm allergic to peanuts. Oh really? Peanut oil. Oh, oh the thing. So I got to pay attention. The pain in my life I would feel if I was allergic to like any actually. Which fun yeah. fact for anyone allergic to peanuts? Technically, <laughs> peanut oil is not considered an allergen. Really? So. It's not required to be listed by the FDA. But it can still have and still cause allergic reactions, right? Peanut oil? Technically, no. 
Um, I have no idea. But it's only if it's highly refined peanut oil because all the proteins are refined out of it. So if it's just your run of the If you cheap get like fruit. cheapo crap barrel peanut oil, yeah. like Chinese food restaurants, yeah, still definitely give you a It's definitely a problem. Huh. Never in a million years would have even known that. So. I found out this thing the other day about how bananas are ripened. Like if you go to the grocery store and you see a banana that the stem is still green and the banana is yellow. That that banana was chemically ripened, and like my wife showed me the other day, proof like she bought bananas at one store, bananas at another, and the one that she got at the one store, like the stem and the banana went like brown and black at the same time, whereas the other banana, it was like the stem still looked completely fine, and the banana was starting to get brown spots on it. Uh, the other, it's like the other part that people don't know is that when the the skin is brown is when it's ripe. Yeah, oh yeah, it's the other... Ripening happens as it gets brown, not when it's green. Those are raw, well, and even ripe. Even yellow, like if it's still bright yellow, it is not ripe yet. Yeah. I, just, I, don't know that, I don't know how some people can eat green bananas. Like, it's the worst texture ever in your... Have you ever eaten a banana and that's it's not... crunchy? Yeah, it's like gritty <laughs> on your... It's freaking horrible, dude. It's bad for you. It's freaking horrible. Is it bad for you, too? I think so. I have it's no idea. It's supposed to be. I don't know. It's also one of those things that you hear, and it's like, is it true? Is it like you hear it and you take it for granted for your entire life, and then you're like, wait, am I am I dumb? I've, I've, I've been believing. This? I've been believing this one way my whole life, and now I'm proven wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, brother. I gotta get back um, to Youngstown. My wife is calling me and hitting me up. Fair enough. All right, so. To end this, ending. Cody is at the bar and guy. Any underscores or anything? No, just straight up at the bar and guy. Okay. Spelled how it sounds. And then nowhere BMX is at N O W E A R underscore BMX. No, just straight no, up. Just straight up. Nowhere. Yeah, nowhere. Like N O and then where? Like your T-shirt. W E A R B M X dot com or at nowhere at BMX. Nowhere BMX. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well, check out both of those things. If you haven't heard of Nowhere, uh, you must have been living under a rock, but not out in Nebraska. <laughs> All the rocks in Nebraska. You're, you're, you're in L.A., and you just don't care about what's happening in the rural America. Because it's not, what you call it, not obtainable. It doesn't make any sense. That's why you don't uh, know who we are. Yeah. <laughs> well, so... I appreciate you. But if you don't know Cody, that's more than likely the case. And you should pay attention to his new batch of bar ends, hopefully coming out soon. Oh, yeah. That's that's more preemptive than talking about new products from nowhere. Damn. Um, One more thing before we completely wrap. Yeah. Corn Hucket Jam. Dates. Oh, dude. It's July 13th. Free camping. Free music all weekend. Uh, There will... I... Have never seen us not have food vendors on site like hamburgers and stuff like that. Um, I think this year we have like six bands, seven bands playing all day, um, and you guys can uh, come out as early as Thursday night, so like the eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, and then he kicks you out of there Sunday or Monday. 
depending on, but it's pretty fair. Free camping, um, you just have to make the a don donation for entrance that day. If you're riding, it's one donation. If you're not, and, and you know, I could be wrong on that too. Um, it might not. There might not be any kind of donation this year. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to. You have to look out. I for mean, the even if that's the case, you should probably donate. Yeah, you're, I mean, if you're willing you're to join, you're camping on the dude's <laughs> property. You're <laughs> riding his ramps and stuff, like. Yeah, if the least you can do is donate to the cause. If you're gonna, if you're willing to drive all the way out in the middle of nowhere, then just bring twenty bucks with you and help out the cause. So, <laughs> but all right. Yeah, anybody, if you know, if you have any questions, send me a message at the Bar and Guy or send Nowhere BMX or Andy at Grindworks BMX. Yeah, I can forward message. you on and and play middleman for a little bit yeah, here. Yeah, we, we we love working together, so I appreciate everything. Uh, thanks for coming out, Cody. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you. Off-camera handshake. Yep, can't hear it, but you can see it. Um, yeah, so follow them. Uh, Nowhere BMX, the barring guy. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. That's actually happening the same date as our Pittsburgh Street Jam. <laughs> that's cool. Go to either one. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I don't know where my clothes thing is, and I usually go to the wrong one. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Grindworks Podcast. Um, this episode has nothing following it, as far as I know. I don't have any recorded episodes. Um, this one's, you know, pretty much the end at this point. Uh... Probably by the time this goes live, I will have another episode recorded or one lined up. But for right now, uh, you know, our jams are upcoming. Uh, July 13th in Pittsburgh is the Grindworks Pittsburgh Street Jam. July 27th at HCS Skate Park in Vestal, New York is our Binghamton Jam. Um hopefully see you out at one or both of those and if you can't make it to either of those i hope you can make it out to the corn hucket jam that nowhere puts on um you know july 13th that's definitely out of our area you know there's there's definitely no competition as to who's going to what one or don't do yours on on the same day you know it's all friends here so uh, definitely hope you make it out to any or all of those three jams. Obviously, you can't be at both the Pittsburgh and Nowhere Jam unless you have an airplane and want to get crazy. Uh, I'd love to see someone do that. Please, please, please go to both the same day. That'd be amazing. All right. Uh, till next time, guys. Check out Grindworks underscore BMX on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat and Grindworks BMX on Facebook, Mixer, uh, YouTube, and Anchor. I don't know. I feel like I'm missing some, but it doesn't really matter. All right. Take it easy.